Welcome back to the Cover Zero podcast. It is another episode of our Top 10s. I'm joined today by Corday. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Almost ended the school year. I'm doing real good. Looking forward to that summertime. I already know. I already know. You already know, man. I got a bunch of shows lined up. Awesome. Yeah, big big congrats on that. And hopefully one of them makes its way to where it's close enough to the greater Portland area to where I can catch down and yeah. see one of your shows and uh, watch you kill it on stage. Yeah, man. I, I just, I just, I'm trying to reach out to somebody who puts on a bunch of shows out here. It's near, it might be, I don't know, but it's somewhere up in there. North, 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 North. Oh, okay. North, 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 North. Yeah, keep everyone, keep everyone posted. We will definitely keep all the listeners posted too. If you want to catch out. And catch you out there killing it on the mic with some with some good comedy because there's the helium comedy club up here in portland is a really good spot yeah. maybe one day catch yourself in there a lot of great comics and historical comics have graced that stage before mm-hmm. so but we have a, a discussion today about quarterbacks ones in particular right now that if you had a blank roster and you were a gm and you were wanting to fill that roster and they asked you which quarterback would you want, or basically give your rankings of a quarterback that you would want on your team. The following is an aggregate top 10 of what we, the Cover Zero podcast, came up with as a group. So personal list might be a little different from where this ranking falls into place, but definitely going to be some great discussion ahead of us. We're going to first kick it off with the honorable mentions and the others that were receiving votes who were just outside of the top 10. And there were four names put in there. We'll start with the first and most obvious one. We'll see if our uh, dynamic producer decides to keep this in there. But Mr. Trey Lance was mentioned by the late by the the great CJ, Mr. CJ Cuevas, put Trey Lance in there. And that's about all I have to say on that much. With him being there, we seem to all know why. <laughs> CJ being a resident Niner fan, all right? But then we'll move to the real, like the ones that actually receiving votes as far as their play reflecting their ranking on this list. There's three names in particular, and we'll start with the first one. He was someone that you actually threw into your honorable mention that I kind of left off of mine, and that's Deshaun Watson. Last time we saw this guy play, it's been a while, but granted, we all know his ability and what he's capable of doing from a skill set standpoint. If Deshaun Watson returns back to form where he was with the Texans when he didn't have a lot, this guy was one of the best QBs in the league, and now he's going to a different team and all these sort of things. Kind of just this season, Briefly, what are you, Corday, looking at as far as for Deshaun Watson's outlook with Cleveland? How many games do you think we see him play? And when he plays, how does he look? How many games we see him play? Uh, it's, I got to think about it because like 17 games. So if he misses four, let's say he misses four, um, he plays 13. 13, 13 games. I think mm-hmm. he's going to put himself back up in that. Because I'm gonna say he's gonna have to knock off the rust as well, coming off the um, the whole year miss and the suspension. I say probably top six, probably towards the end of the year, he start more looking like a top three, top four guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's why I had him falling uh, the year prior because it was like it was like the Mahomes, the Braves, the Rodgers, and then it was like either him or Russ, like in like the top five kind of a thing. That's how good he played. And he was balling, like, on that terrible Houston Texans team that everybody could recognize. Like, oh, he was putting up stats, but it's like no one can stop him, and he cannot score enough because that team yeah. didn't hold nobody. And he didn't even have nobody on that team, which is, like, the crazy no. thing. No. Yeah, like, Brandon Cooks. He was working with uh, the tight end, uh, the big guy, Aikens. <laughs> like, some random dude. Some random tight end. Like, I had never heard of him. I'm like, what? You got a tight end all of a sudden? What? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was. It was an impressive year for Deshaun, nonetheless. I. I hope. I mean, we can come back and see him play. There's still a lot to sort out, and just I mean, it's a, it paints this weird light on like, because now knowing what we do know, I mean, of course he's not going to go face a criminal trial, but to some degree, when that many people come out and accuse you of one one simple one thing like that, not a simple thing, that's the wrong way to phrase it, but when they accuse you of something like that, there's just a likelihood of okay, like something probably went down, but jeez, yeah, yeah. bruh, like so. Anyway, the Deshaun Watson situation is still really developing, but. Next on the list, a top in the in the honorable mentions, he actually did get only honorable mention rankings, except for the one person who did put him in the top 10 was not one of the two Raider fans on the show. Two Raider fans, of course, being myself and Josiah, who couldn't make it today. But Abraham, our, our, our great producer, as I had mentioned earlier, he had put Derek Carr at number 10 on his list. I particularly have Carr, that 11 to 12 range in terms of top 10 quarterbacks. As someone who's not a Raider fan, but pays attention to them like you do, Cordae. What do you, what is it what is it with Derek Carr? Because a lot of people tend to be he sucks, he sucks, he sucks. Some of it's Raider fans. Some people say Raider fans hate him more than they should. Where do you fall on Derek Carr? I'll consider definitely honorable mention. I think more of honestly the reason why people perceive that David Carr or Derek Carr sucks, David Carr retired. Uh, it's honestly because he uh, the team around him was tore down and he had to go through uh, a complete rebuild. And then I feel like he got skittish in the pocket at times. And everybody wants him to – like, he's not good because he's not in that 2016 form, like, of how they was closing out games, winning and stuff like that. And because people don't see that magical season, people automatically say he's trash. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, well, you got to look at what this man went through. Like, I was thinking he was going to be traded, honestly, because it seems like John Gruden was getting rid of everybody on that team. But kept him and then just tore the team around him. And honestly, he's probably in it. I would say a good honorable mention is good for him. Um, uh, this year, I feel like he'll be even better. And actually, towards the la- end of last year, I feel like he started playing really good. Like, started uh, they started uh, what's the guy third in third in uh, oh, hundred Renfro. Yeah, they started going to Renfro a lot more, which helped him. Like his that's his go to safety blanket. And Waller was out, and then Renfro just started balling and kept balling, and it really started to show like the greatness of the offense and how the offense has changed, even though they was going through all those terrible things. And it really showed like the leadership and how much uh, Carr started to take command of that offense and how it changed from a John Gruden led offense to uh, whoever was calling the plays. <laughs> Ended up being a uh, Greg Olson, the former Greg offensive Olson, coordinator yeah. for the Raiders. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's another guy I'm faith, like I have faith in, but the fact that they just started going to their playmakers Instead of trying to make somebody like I want this guy to get the ball, and actually just started like, okay, this guy's making plays for us. Let's try to run the offense through him. This guy's like makes plays for us, like in Waller. And then when Waller went down, they were still going to rent for him. He couldn't be stopped, and he was stepping up and balling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carr. I mean, as a Raiders fan, a lot of the Raider fans know the the process of what it's like to be a Derek Carr fan and see him reach the heights of that 2016 season, like you mentioned. <clears throat> which a lot of people revere as his best season that he had ever put on the table. I mean, he was absolutely, he was, he was really showing the NFL what he is capable of. And then after the year that he broke his, his leg in that same season, it was like the day before Christmas, I want to say, remember it was in the Colts game. And then you're right. He was getting skittish against any kind of pressure. He refused to use his legs mm-hmm. to run, to either extend the play for anything other than just throw it away. He wasn't yeah. trying to scramble. He wasn't taking like, 
risks. He was very risk averse. He was checked down Charlie. It was third and seven. You could almost yep. guarantee for a whole Four. season and a whole season plus two years yep. where yep. third and seven. Yeah. He's going to be content taking a three yard completion, four yard yep. completion, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just so frustrating. And it seemed like he was a guy that was broken and seemed like he was a guy that was never going to be able to return to that form. And then in 2020, I feel like that was the first time where he really actually started to ascend back to that guy that we had come to know around the 2016 season. And then in 2021, he showed that wasn't just a fluke year. I'm back. I wasn't just doing that because we were playing in empty stadiums during COVID. I'm back and I'm comfortable in this spot where I'm at. Here he is again, having to learn a new system, having to go out of John Gruden's West Coast offense and then go into the, uh, what is it? The Earnhardt Perkins system, like the version that Josh McDaniels likes to run. And I couldn't be more excited. Like you said, I do think we are going to see Derek Carr's in the next two years, we will see his best single best season. I really truly believe that just because of primarily right now, he's never had a weapon like Devontae Adams. He's never really had, you could say that even before Devontae's most dynamic playmaker or difference maker was Darren Waller. After Darren Waller, it was when he had Crabtree and Amari Cooper before Amari Cooper was really in his prime, still kind of maybe trying to figure out the NFL game his early years. And then to have a third weapon like Hunter Renfro with a, with a back like Josh Jacobs, I mean, there's a lot in place for him to be really successful this year. And I'm incredibly excited about what type of season he is going to have. I think he will have a top 10 season this year in 2022. I think, yeah. I think so as well, uh, especially with like the great playmakers around him. Uh, I think the only if he doesn't, that means he's still adjusting to the scheme, which I don't think is really it will be on his fault. I think it's more of like the whole offensive package and stuff like that. And then really or like if the old line doesn't right. uh, hold up, I think that would be like yep. the two yep. reasons, like the, mainly the old line and just the right side getting obliterated or like some injuries of some kind. I think that would be like the reason why he doesn't have a monstrous season, because like you said, you got the best receiver in the league, got what top three tight end in the league right. i was asked that question recently on the nfl outdated podcast big shout out and i came in with waller being at four but you're right huge playmaker mismatch weapon yeah and then renfro was like a future budding star like i feel like 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 so car every quarterback needs their safety blanket crabtree was Carr's safety blanket before he got cut and then the whole time he didn't have him he was looking for that and he started to find that in Renfro I think at the end of that first season with uh with John Gruden and then these last two years he was going to Renfro as well but for some reason he just wasn't uh fixing in in John Gruden's offense they only use him on third down I'm like remember I said like message Josiah I'm like hey man why don't y'all use Renfro like I'm like why don't you like why don't Renfro be involved more and he was like Yo, you must not watch the game. Riffle just balled out. I was like, that's not what I meant. I'm like, why don't you, instead of using him third down, it seems like Carr trusts him. Why don't you make him a focal point of the offense? And then, sadly, what happened to Ruggs, uh, they had to put him out there. Because I remember I just kept hearing him, Zay Jones, talking about Zay Jones going deep. And I'm like, Zay Jones ain't doing nothing out there. Put Riffle, like, in there to do something, you know. Zay Jones might just run a fade to be a decoy, but I'm just like, Renfro is where you need to go through him and Waller. Like just, <laughs> just have them. Yeah, it was, it was like tough. He, I mean, he was forced to, at some point to go yeah. to Renfro as the, cause like you said, it was Zay Jones was out there. Deshaun Jackson wasn't really himself or what he was brought in to do is just, just be that vertical deep threat. Brian Edwards never really blossomed to the receiver that they thought that he was going to be. 
hence why he's now in Atlanta. Right. And then right. I've got the trade. I've got you guys just traded him. I was still thinking he was going to yeah. 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 He's in ATL. And so it was, it was just like, there was such a, it was such a thin room. Like they were pulling up people from the practice squad. So it was like, yeah. just by, I remember in the chiefs game at Kansas city, there was no other receiver that Derek, like there was Hunter Renfro. That was it. Like there was yeah. no yeah. other receiving option that could do anything. And it was it was tough to watch, but just just seeing how Hunter blossomed in, I'm just I'm very excited to see what Derek Carr does this year. And yeah, that's I'm expecting big things just considering what's what's happening around him. But something else to move into our our last honorable mention. This is Kyler Murray, Arizona quarterback, who is somewhat a little bit disgruntled right now with his team not being their friend on the socials. But we're here to talk about him in this ranking, and it's funny that you and me are the two that were only able to make it for today because we had, we were, I think the furthest away from a ranking was where we both landed on Kyler Murray. Yeah. Where did you have Kyler Murray in your top 10? I got to look at, I got to look it up real quick. It I was believe six. I, had him at I remember. Six. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was six. And I, I had remember. Kyler at 11. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was, super, it was super funny. You was like, so how do you have Kyler Murray at six and another QB at 10? But, you can go ahead and say it. You can go ahead and say it. Okay, I, had, I had Justin Herbert at 10. Just yeah, Justin Herbert at 10 and Kyler yeah. at 6. But we'll talk about Herbert when we get to Herbert because he is somewhere on this list. Hint, he's not at 10. Yeah. But with Kyler, what is it that put him at 6 on, on your particular ranking? Because there's a lot of people, I think, that get excited on this dude or whatever it might be. I'll just let you answer that question. Why is Kyler in your eyes, the sixth best quarterback in the NFL right now? Well, I look at it like um, Kyler Murray, what he, like, first off, the Cardinals was a surprise team of the NFL this year. Besides, or this past year, well, most of most of the season, besides the Tennessee Titans, I feel like I did not see the Cardinals jumping uh, I think the Bengals were more of a surprise than AZ. Nah? Okay, all right. That too, that too. Uh, so they were one of three teams. <laughs> that was a huge surprise. Uh, yeah, okay. I just didn't see them that the fast start that well. I think they was undefeated. Only had like lost one game. Uh, Carla Marley was just balling. Uh, him and Hopkins was just doing amazing and crazy things. Um, and I just I just saw Carla Murray was like like he was gonna be the MVP. That's what I just thought he was gonna be. And they got out to that hot start. Uh. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was having a balance attack. He was uh, scheming up good things. Um, and I just had him that high because he's uh, – I feel like he he's as, let, as athletic as Lamar Jackson, but it's a much better thrower than Lamar is. And he's just like – the only thing he's like – he's small and he gets hurt. But I just felt he was – I felt he was – he's definitely a top 10 quarterback. Like I didn't see him being seen as an honorable mention, especially – of what he did and what he accomplished last year. Um, now, uh, people say he starts to fade during the second half of the season, but we saw the stats that Cliff Kingsbury, all his teams since he's been in college, that happens to all his teams. So I think it's more of a product of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, or I guess schools or teams getting adjusted to him and then start to see and figure out what they're doing versus more on Kyler. Mm, okay. I mean, for me, one that what I, I to to a lot of that I mean I agree with a lot of that but there's parts I disagree with that I'd have to push back on I don't think Kyler is as athletic as Lamar I just don't see that type of 
a runner with Kyle. Like he is, don't get me wrong, he is a very athletic quarterback. I would say, as far as athleticism goes, when he's running or he's like escaping pressure, yeah, it's Lamar is is the is the pinnacle. And then yes, even sir. after Lamar, I there's I would I think Josh Allen at least right now, as far as running the football and being effective as a runner, I'd probably put Josh Allen there. I might even put him. I think Kyler's probably third when it comes to as far as like a rushing threat as a quarterback with Jalen Hurts being maybe fourth or very close to Kyler. But we've just close I'm, to Kyler? what's that? You think he's close, he's close to, Kyler? to Kyler? Close to Kyler, yeah. Jalen Hurts, right. athleticism wise, he can't throw anything. His his arm is not even close to Kyler's. That's the, that's the difference. But because Kyler can, Kyler, does, I think he is a better thrower of the football than Lamar. I will yeah. agree there. Yeah, but I don't think that Kyler can. I, I have yet to see this guy, like we were talking about with the start, and whether or not it's Cliff Kingsbury or Kyler, that's a, it's a really good point because Cliff has had that success going back through his college tenure, and we've seen Kyler in his short NFL career just kind of have that same trajectory and that same beginning throughout the course of his season, only to either get hurt and have his play suffer or just the wear and tear has his play suffer or whatever it was. But towards the end of the season, the starts are always looking really nice. He's in that MVP conversation, and then he just starts to kind of regress. And then you look at it at the end of the year, and it's what? Because the, the Cardinals went 11-6 and six last year. I think and, so, yeah. yeah, you see they had that super hot start, but then Kyler missed time, and yeah. they were beating other teams in the division still with Colt McCoy without having necessarily the, some of the same weapons. Because I remember DeAndre Hopkins missed time yeah. around the time when D-Hop missed. Kyler was back. It was back in the fold, but like he, he just has, he has plays where he makes it harder on his offensive line at times by evading pockets too soon, looking to roll out to get on the edge, trying to make plays off script. I wonder a lot, which what he would look like without a elite receiver in Deandre Hopkins. And I think we saw We've seen glimpses of that since they have been on the field. He's been on the field without D hop at times. And until I see this guy put together full cons- one full consistent season of legit pure end top 10 play, I cannot put him in there just with the way that the quarterback position is looking right now. Cause I thought in my head and we were sitting down and making our lists like, Oh yeah, Kyler's there. And yeah. then I started to just do my, like who are the names that are in the top 10? And I started to just write them down. And then I got to like eight and I was like, oh shit. Like I, I don't even have Kyler. Oh, eight. Wait a minute. No, I got to put Stafford in there. Wait, oh wait. No, someone's got to, it just, that's how it ends up being. And I don't have room in the top 10 for him right now until I can see one full on season where Kyler himself is that difference maker from the quarterback position. And I just haven't seen it yet. Independent of whatever Cliff may be doing. Of course it could be better. Cliff's no genius. Um, but I just I gotta see more. Do you think uh do you think he could be a full uh full year top ten QB with Kif- with Cliff Kingsbury as his head coach? I think it's on the table. I do think it is on the table because some of okay. it some of it does come down to health and whether or not he's durable enough. Yeah. And yes, Kyler's offensive line got better last year. Rodney Hudson up the middle just really eliminated that pressure directly in his face. Was able to have a person who could anchor right in the center of the offensive line. He has two tackles that are that are solid. Like he's got DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham. DJ Humphreys is a good left tackle. 
Kelvin Beecham is a quality right tackle. Like he's a starting right tackle in the NFL. When you have three offensive linemen that are pretty reliable, that are, that are good at what they do. And you have two other guys that are, you know, just kind of ho-hum. There's a lot of other quarterbacks that are working with worse offensive linemen. Like I'll tell you right now, Derek Carr wishes he had the Arizona offensive line right now. I mean, I he, he, he missed Hudson immediately as soon as he gone. Like that was, that was the one we're not going to go into that, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's, that's just right like, you know, it's, that's the right tackle. Yeah. Yeah, no, and if you're going to be a top team, I get it. DeAndre Hopkins not being there, you know, that makes a difference in, when we look at the Rams game because I actually went back and I watched some of that, the Rams game, to determine, like, okay, what was he doing in that game? No no DeAndre Hopkins, which is going to be very hard with that receiving core if you don't have D-Hop. Hmm. But, bro, like, it shouldn't have been that bad because that was terrible. Granted, I know it's a one-off game, but... What, the Rams at, just, game? The Rams playoff game where they got destroyed and demolished by the Rams. Yeah, see, I, I feel like people are too, holding on too much to, like, what that is. And I felt like, honestly, they just came out and there was no balance. The thing that was working with uh, the Cardinals was the fact that they had a lot of balance throughout the uh, throughout the season with uh, James sure. Conner and uh, the other running back. But as soon as the playoff game started, they was just passing. the. Uh, there was, like, a steady pass. It is not, like, the balance what they needed. And actually, the fun thing about it, the Rams was a lot more balanced than they was, and that's how they was able to achieve success. And I feel like that was the the thing that, Cliff had problems with the year prior with not enough balance, not running it when he should be and just constantly throwing it. And I felt like all this is being heaped on Kyler's shoulders. And the weirdest thing is how he's holding out for a contract extension and how Cliff Kingsbury was kind of like, we don't know if he might be the long-term coach for Arizona. And then him and Steve Kine both get a contract extension. I'm like, I feel like you guys chose the wrong person to give an extension right now, or maybe just hold off on everybody. Like you gave the GM and the head coach extensions when Cliff is like still had a terrible second half. Uh, I feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I feel like that playoff game is being weighed a lot more on Kyler. I don't and, blame him that they lost. Coach. I think the Rams were a better team. His yeah. performance though had too many holes. To just oh I gotta run oh I gotta go try to do a lot. Like and and it at times I know that Cliff's Cliff's scheme warrants that from him because there's so much with the way cliff scheme is set up in the in the his version of the air raid that he's brought to the nfl if deandre hopkins is on the field if uh chase or chase edmonds on the field ronda moore is on the field and last year when christian kirk was there it's like they're always all lining up in the exact same spot exactly that's yeah that's what that's his offense and that shit sucks that makes it so easy for a defense so easy to ski to gain that's what i was like like he was like well without deandre hopkins i'm like well he just lines up to the left but the, the other, the other side of it is this. The scheme warrants one-on-one matchups for people like DeAndre Hopkins, right? And if you get a one-on-one with D-Hop, who's arguably the best jump ball receiver in the entire league, like, I don't know. It, it, has, its, it, has, its, it has its very noticeable weaknesses and things that should definitely change. But I don't think it's always all bad just because it does warrant for one-on-one matchups, isolation routes, which do work for a lot of how Kyler likes to escape the pocket, but that's where we're at on him. We can now move into the top 10. We will start with Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak Prescott coming in at number 10, right exactly where I had him in my rankings. Dak for me, he is just, he is a, he's, he's almost teach tape on a lot of concepts that you ask quarterbacks to execute. You can on the all 22. I love watching Dak's all 22 because, you can really see with his process and how he is in the pocket 
how well coached he is, how well he understands the schemes that are given, how well he understands the coverage that he's facing. The guy is so much smarter as a NFL and as like an NFL just like savant knowing the game from the QB position. He has it there. He's got tools to be able to be effective as a runner. You aren't really calling design runs for him. It's not that way. But if there isn't, if everything that's been drawn up that he's so good at executing isn't quite there for him, he does have the athleticism to be able to, able to make other things happen and pick up some yards and, you know, do things more from just an operating as a pocket passer. Yeah. Really, that's, that's what just comes down to Dak with me, and he still has the arm capable of making impressive throws too. Man, Do you think Dak was he at ten on yours? Yeah, he was. He was at ten. No, he was at eight. He was at eight on mine. Eight of yours, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I respect Dak a lot. Uh, I, like I know this isn't. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan, and honestly, I hope that Jalen Hurts becomes what Dak has. Like, cause, like, uh, like I've told people, like I think Jalen Hurts is a poor man's Dak Prescott. Um, and I just love the growth that Dak Prescott has become. Like, as a really a good passer. When they started to uh, depend on Dak more, become more of a thrower when Zeke was having the suspension issues. And Dak, like I remember I was sitting, I think I was watching a game with Abe. Uh, it was me, Abe, and it was, it was Abe came over my house and like Alvin was here. Cousin Alvin, shout out to them. Uh, and then I was just looking at Abe. I'm just like, yo, did Dak Prescott get hurt last year? <laughs> like when he was coming off that broken, that, that compound fracture in his ankle and I'm watching him play and I'm just like, what injury? Like Dak was looking that good out there, just like balling against uh the defending Super Bowl champs in the Buccaneers. I'm like, Dak looks like he was gonna have to pull this out himself and have to ball out. And he was looking incredible. Like reading defenses, uh spreading stuff out, like they was trying to run the ball and they couldn't. And I'm just like, wow, Dak is looking amazing until he hurt that calf to kind of set him back a little bit. But Dak Prescott is a baller, man. He definitely deserves to be on his top ten list. And I None but respect for uh, Dak Prescott, even though he's on the, the Cowboys. <laughs> I, know. I remember, too, his, when he came in against Seattle. And was that in the preseason when Romo got hurt? Yep. Was that week? Yep. Well, it was preseason yep. when he came in. And I remember watching, was it his, I want to say it might have even been his first throw ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember, I remember, I didn't really even watch a ton of him in college that year but once he got picked up by Dallas I went back and watched a little bit and it's like oh okay I kind of you know you see some you see some potential there right and his first throw against Seattle this dude hit his third read for like a 15 yarder yeah so I was like okay first snap granted preseason but we we work into our third read in the progression okay like this kid he's got something and to just see him build on that to this point right now, yeah, Dak's got a lot of respect for him too, despite you know whatever whatever the cowboy uh cowboy fandom means to you or anybody else listening. Either way, I feel like you do got to respect Dak and give him his props on the type of and even he is right now. and even before that, I think because I remember because Romo got hurt in that third preseason game. I think they let Romo sit out the first preseason game and let uh, Dak start. And I remember Jason Garrett for wherever he is as Coach Clap is what they refer to him. I know Skip Bellis does that. Um, uh, Jason Garrett said he was taking him personally under his wing to try to personally develop him. And I remember this is back when Des Bryant was still on the team. And I remember yep. he came and threw a jump ball, a perfect jump ball up to Des Bryant. And I'm just like, look at this fourth round pick 
out of Mississippi State. But people forget that he had Mississippi State, the number one overall team in college football at one point. So the dude is super talented because, like, you never looked at Mississippi State and never thought offense. So definitely mm-hmm. that man is super talented, has grown a lot, and it's just deserves to be on this top ten. Yeah, I'm glad he's here, too. Glad he's here, too. He is a Eat your chunky soup and boo cowboys. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Move to number nine. And this is a quarterback I feel like ninth is maybe not where he would have been had we been doing this list just a couple years ago. He definitely wasn't. I remember the last time we actually did a QB top 10, he was much higher up on the list. And this is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number nine, Lamar last year got hurt. And the previous year had a playoff exit in the second round against Buffalo. And right now, just where he is, honestly, I don't know how much more as a consistent pocket type of passer he can really improve from what we have seen so far. Like there can be there can be, you know, like what is it like a micro improvements here or there. You can refine certain things, get more comfortable in a certain system. He's been with Roman for a while. And we all know Lamar is just a absolute beast of a runner as far as the QB types of designs that you can run around him. I think he's arguably, I would say, honestly, he is the most dynamic runner from the QB position that we have ever seen. Vic is the one who comes close for a lot of people. I do think Vic in a straight line will outrun Lamar and has more maybe like turbo button juice when you hold that down to just run straight. But the one thing Lamar has that I have never seen from a quarterback is that twitch. His twitch in the open field mm-hmm. to just make people miss with a with a dead leg cut, with a wiggle, with a spin, or whatever it might be. It's it's incredible to watch. And he can make just sometimes these amazing runs that only end up being four yard gains, but it might have been a third and three, and he dodged four people on the way to crossing over the sticks. So that's just really where to me with Lamar, he's 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 very amazing to watch from that. We all know those areas of his game. Do you think we have seen the best of Lamar as a pocket passer up to this point, or do you think he has that big boom type of a season coming up ahead in his career? Before I get to that, (laughs) I got to disagree with, uh, I feel Michael Vick is a much uh, more dynamic runner, more explosive runner, and is, I actually honestly think, He's more quicker than um, Lamar Jackson. I think what Lamar has better is better than Mike Vick does, and it seems like he's more uh, uh, tw- more twitchy. Is the fact that he can avoid the big hit. I think that's what separates and makes it seem like uh, he has more quick twitch. But Mike Vick was dynamic and quick, shake a dude out of his boots. It's just the fact that Vic never slid and didn't know how to slide versus Lamar is conscious of uh, avoiding the big hit and getting down. I feel like that's the, the difference between them. But I still think Vic is more dynamic. Okay. Um, when it comes to being in the pocket passer, have we seen the best of Lamar? I don't think so. I think he could get back to that MVP form. Um, once again, Greg Roman going to have to come up with a lot of stuff different stuff to try to get the best out of Lamar. Uh, I feel like uh, Lamar needs to hire like a great, like a QB coach, like one of those Tom Brady QB coaches, like Tom houses of the world and things like that for him to really, really improve. 
And then at the same time, I feel like, like you said, like how Kyler Murray has a DeAndre Hopkins. The Ravens really need to give him a bona fide veteran number one receiver or just a, a go-to guy, like mm-hmm. we said, mentioned that Derek Carr has in like a, a Hunter Renfro or a Crabtree back in those days. Like he needs he needs one of those guys that that is not a tight end. That is not a tight end. And when was when Andrews is covered, he can go to. And then that will help him become the better passer. Because we see we've seen as a Josh Allen uh made that jump when he acquired Stefan Diggs. The best veteran receiver they've given given him is Sammy Watkins. And this ain't the Sammy Watkins when he before the foot injury. So I feel upgrading his skill position, especially at the wide receiver, especially after just trading Hollywood Brown. Um, if they do not upgrade those skill positions, oh, I, I guess so. He can, but if he doesn't up, if they don't upgrade the skill positions around him, he we won't mm-hmm. see it. I think he that's yeah. that's the. I think that's honestly what happened. We if he doesn't get an upgrade at the skill positions at the wide receiver positions, we won't see uh, Lamar become that pocket passer mm-hmm. that we want him to see. So I think I think I think he can get there, but without the the weapons around him to be able to stand the pocket and be more dynamic with his arm than his legs. He won't get there. Mm-hmm. And I want to see another thing I want to see from Lamar, And I don't know if this is built into Roman system specifically is I want to see him be able to make checks at the line and like adjust protections a yeah. lot more than at least we've seen to this point. And yeah. what makes, what made me bring that up is specifically not just like one-off plays here and there, which those pop up throughout different Sundays all throughout his tape from the time he was a rookie up until this most recent season before the injury. But you remember that Thursday night game last year against the Dolphins? Mm -hmm. Dolphins Mm -hmm. just used, I think it was like a, like a tilt front and they put someone on the backside edge and they would just blitz off that corner and the Ravens couldn't deal with it. The Ravens couldn't deal with it. A lot of people think don't blitz Lamar because as soon as he gets into the open field and you have everybody in the backfield, it's, it's lights out but it actually so far has turned out something that you can do to throw a wrench into Lamar's game is to blitz him a lot and maybe do like all out blitzes. These are things that speed up his process, speed up the Ravens run game, maybe can get a jump on what they're doing as far as the passing concepts, which I agree a hundred percent. Greg Roman does need to, to develop those further if he's going to get more out of the passing game. And apart from the wild card game in 2020 against the Titans in the playoffs, I really haven't seen him do that. So that'll be something to pay attention to. But yeah, Lamar definitely, I don't think he's coming close to coming out of the top 10. Right now, he's not at OTAs as we record this, which, I mean, it's May. He, he you know, there's other quarterbacks that aren't showing up right now. And he, he's, he's going to get that deal. He's, he's really going to get that deal. Whether or not yeah, it happens was, now or at the end of the season, yeah. he is going to get his second contract from the Ravens. They have just you invested too much in him yeah. for it to not happen. They should so. give it to him before the season, honestly. They shouldn't, he sh- Lamar shouldn't have to wait till Because you don't want to get hurt. Because we saw him last year get hurt towards the end of the year. And um, Fred Henley came in actually like trying to – it was – did a good job. But mm-hmm. the dynamicness of a Lamar and how he really – they drafted him and fully invested him in. They they help him. They help he helped them get off of Joe Flacco, who wasn't putting in the work and wasn't taking that team nowhere to have them back in the playoffs. This is the first time he's missed the playoffs since he's became a starter. 
And I they mean, were I so Joe close. Flacco was, I think Joe Flacco was putting in the work. He just didn't have a lot more to, to give. <laughs> didn't work that time. Not, not it. Not it said, <laughs> he was uh, practicing, no. but yeah, it, was, it had left. It's gone. Nah, nah, some insiders said that dude was not putting in that work. The last oh, year. really? He was just yeah. collecting the check? He, just collecting the checks, yeah. He was Damn, Joe. Damn. Yeah, that, that's like uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who was a former, used to work for the Baltimore Ravens. They but said. Then he knows. DJ, they was like, they said, he was like, yeah, Ravens camp said. Uh, Flacco was not put in the work, wasn't coming in shape. He didn't come in shape until they drafted Lamar. Mm. That's when he started putting in that work. So, yeah. that, yeah, so <laughs> like they got that big check after going to Super Bowl. And then I think he made one pro, one more Pro Bowl when um, they had uh, Gary Kubiak as OC. And then after that, I think he tore his ACL or something after that. Was not putting in that work, son. Mm-mm-mm. Was not putting in that work. And that's yeah, and that's yeah. why they drafted Lamar because it was like they I think they extended his contract and paid him I think he was making like twenty five million or something like that mm-hmm. and then he still wasn't putting in that work and it was like we might have to move on from this dude because it was either uh give him another extension or let's see if we can like go in a different direction they chose to go in a different direction that was Lamar Jackson good move to make right there. And speaking of another team that went in another direction this last season to acquire the quarterback that comes in at number eight on our list, that is the Super Bowl champion Rams going a different direction from Jared Goff and acquiring Matthew Stafford, who falls in. He's been an honorable mention on our list before, and some people had a lot of pushback. I remember when we made a list two years ago that we had Stafford in the top. We had he was. I don't think he made top. No, he didn't make top ten. But he was like an honorable mention for everybody when he was over there in Detroit, just around. We all know what the Lions were for so long and just kind of a a franchise going nowhere. And Stafford was the face of that franchise going nowhere for too long. But if you watched enough or at least saw enough plays, you saw the talent that this dude had. You saw the crazy throws, the impressive arm strength, the improvisational bombs, the plays where he's even putting sauce on it from crazy arm angles he's to the point now where last year he's throwing no look passes in the super bowl mahomes-esque type stuff and matthew stafford really i'm just i'm so so glad that dude got a super bowl by the first time he was on a team that was actually a good team a great one at that to win a ring and it's just it's awesome to see him get get there be on a squad that is going to put pieces around him to be able to have a much more successful time playing quarterback. And the first time he does that, he just, he, he was on fire throughout the playoffs on fire throughout the playoffs and got himself a ring and lands himself inside the cover zero top 10 for the first time in his career. And what's really interesting, this guy has some of like, like all time type of numbers in certain statistics, which is, which is pretty crazy. And even last year with the Rams, Finished third overall within his with passing yards. He threw for 4,886, almost clearing that 5,000-yard marker. Third in the NFL with that. Threw for 41 TDs, second in the NFL last season, not sure only 17 interceptions, and the guy's EPA per play was looking real, real nice. Did you always – you weren't on the show at that time. You would always pop in for, like, guest spots and, and things like that very often, but – were you always a Stafford supporter? Like you didn't necessarily attach the Lions' lack of success to Stafford's lack of ability. Um, that's a trick question. Um, it a was trick weird. question. <laughs> well, well, okay, because so because Jim Caldwell, not Jim Caldwell, yeah, Jim Caldwell, 
Jim Caldwell, great yep. coach for him. Was helping, um, teaching him, get, uh, having him start throwing sidearm all the time. He was fired too soon. And Matt Patricia, I, I accumulate the, the terribleness of, of the Lions because they hired Matt Patricia and got rid of Jim Caldwell. And then that ruined, like, their team. Um, now, Matthew Stafford um, always felt like was sup- supremely talented, but always, like, left you wanting more. Like, I, I don't look at the last few years when they were terrible as his fault, but I look at some of the times when he had, like, the 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 Calvin Johnsons of the world, when he had, like, a Reggie Bush, and he had a running game at times, or when he had, like, he had the 2,000-yard receivers in a Golden Tate and uh, Marvin Jones Jr., and he was, like, putting up stats, but they wasn't going nowhere. Like, I look at those days, and I'm kind of like, you know, he should be playing better than this. Or, like, it was – I don't know. Because, like, people say, like, he was always on a terrible team with the Lions. And actually, I actually have to honestly disagree. Like, some of those Jim Swartz teams made it to playoffs. They were, like, those defense was super tough. And he still had Calvin Johnson. So, I'm I'm all – so, it's a – He made the playoffs to the Lions twice. Yeah. In – what was that? 11 years? 12 years? Yeah. Yeah. That so it's, teams were not good. <laughs> teams were bad. I'm nah, with they, you on. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. Not all, okay. Not all of them were bad. Uh, I, I felt. I felt like his first two years when he got there were bad. Last two years were bad. But in between those times, and then I think the one year Jim Jim Schwartz got fired, that was bad. So, oh, what? What? What's that? Five out of six years. <laughs> so i feel like he he was on some talented teams and probably should have done more not honestly but i feel like because i heard he was so talented you know i feel Mm -hmm. like he should have raised that team to another level this is the lions which is a terrible organization but then also i'm like he did have talent around him at the same time you know like a great talent in megatron like, mm-hmm. I feel like it definitely helped that offense. And a lot of times they call it's called Matthew Patford, you know, padding stacks because they're always behind and he's like throwing for all these yards. So it's 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 like a combination of was the teams really that was was it okay? I guess for me it's like was every single year they bad or were they actually good throughout some of those years and he just wasn't getting it done? I, I feel were, like that. I mean, well, he was getting it done. I mean. 2011, the man threw for 5,000 yards. Yeah. 5,000 yards, right? Yeah. In 2012, basically almost the same thing again. Right. And these are like earlier years of his career. And then in 20, he had some bad years. Like he, he was never, I feel like a lot of people viewed him as being overrated. Despite this dude never, like legitimately never having a consistent running game. Maybe one season, I would say at best. Yeah. having a consistent running game and really only having a defense those years in which Schwartz was actually like coaching them dudes up and they yeah. had some, they had some beasts over there, but for the most part, every year that he had a good defense or a viable defense, they'd find themselves in the playoffs, 2011, 2014. And when they didn't, they weren't in the playoffs. Right. So it's like, that was always, there's of course things that left it on the table. Like, Oh, he could have been playing better to be maybe, you know, if you're comparing him to the likes of the best quarterbacks in the league, but I always felt like he was fringe ish top 10 quarterback 
somewhere around there. And he'd dip into those areas. And just really seeing what they did in L.A. this year, I think, was just in, in you know an exclamation to that point, which is how he yeah, was able to play. And I think, um, I think honestly, like this year, I would like because they traded for Matthew Stafford, and they thought, well, now he's finally on a great, on a like a, a very good team that he'll take them to like so bigger heights and stuff like that. And honestly, we saw that him struggle a lot throughout this year. Like I remember, it was like it was like three straight weeks he was on like pick sixes. And, like, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, he won that Ravens game, I honestly felt like he would probably continue. But I felt he won it at the end, helped propel them to, like, a good playoffs. And they started, okay, well, maybe we should stop depending on Stafford as much before. Honestly, I feel – so this is what I feel. When he got to the Rams, Sean McVay was like, oh, we can do the same thing. We could just, like, depend on him to throw it, and he'll just get about everything. When it was like, oh, no, I actually got to have some form of balance. Um. Yeah, every quarterback needs that balance, and McVay yeah. can, at times, you know, especially yeah. when he gets a new toy, I guess, yeah. at times was tempted to get away from it. Yeah. So. Okay. Stafford at number eight. We'll see what they can do this year. He's looking to repeat. We know that with L.A. He was recently talking about that. Oh, I think it was on a show with Michael Irvin. Ball people. But. <laughs> Uh, we'll move to number six. Let him know when he on first take or NFL Network. He just be sweating because he just can't pass. Slobbering. <laughs> Ready to have look like calm down, Mike. Don't have a stroke, bro. Uh, we don't want that. <laughs> I don't. Why is that? Is that man motivational speaking? I don't think he is, but he should be. He should be. That, like he's sweating. Like you a, not to suck. Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> he started he, your day. He a motivational speaker or a pastor. That's how much he be sweating, like up there in the in front of the yeah. congregation. Like that's like <laughs> one of them pastors that you think he catch so much of the Holy Ghost, he's gonna cuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yep. exactly. I see it. I see it. Pass it, uh, pass it, cuss again today. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, the person on this list who's most likely to be a pastor comes in at number seven. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah. A lot of people from my takes this year, I know I'm going to get it, and uh, I'm going to let's, – let's bring it on. But this year, I think we are going to start to see the start or the beginning of Russ not being top tier, of Russ not being elite. Seven, I think, is like – I think that's exactly where I even had him. Maybe eight. I, can't, I have to go back and look. But seven, eight, yeah, that's where I'm at with Russ right now. I know that you had him in your top five, mm-hmm. so I'll let you start. No, 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 no. I want to hear about the decline. Oh, you want to hear mine? Okay. Yeah, I want to hear the decline. Yeah, I'm, I'm over here sighing. Like, you know, I want to hear your decline. Now, tell so me here's why. my reason for that. Okay. Here's my reason for that. It's, it's just, this is, uh, let's start with just Russ, the quarterback, as to what we mostly remember him for, for the, the dearth of his career, not just the recency area. Russell Wilson, is even in his peak, in his prime, when he was God mode, and when I did, yes, he was elite. Don't get me wrong. Putting up elite years and that type of thing. The inefficiencies in his game were, A, the guy does not like to take checkdowns when they're there. I don't know if he just doesn't want to take them, he doesn't see them, or he prefers to roll out and try to, you know, make something amazing happen off of script, out of structure, that type of thing. So there's one there's one thing that as he ages, he's going to have to do. It can happen, sure. I don't know what that type of what that would look like for him. We've just never really seen him hit checkdowns at any consistent rate. The other part of that 
Russell Wilson has had bad offensive lines throughout a lot of his career. We all know that. But something that a lot of people don't talk about and is only revealed on film is that this dude is responsible and has been responsible for far more of his own pressures and his own sacks than a lot of people want to admit, right? There are a lot where it's like he roll, he's he bails from a clean pocket. Instead of stepping up, he tries to reverse spin into a free rusher. And or he hangs on to the ball too long, ignores a check down, and then ends up getting hit while he tries to make something happen. Right. This happens a lot. And I would have to sit down with with a, with all 22 angle from the offensive lines, from the trenches view, to really show a lot of people. And I put some up on Twitter before that explain this. So that's number two. The other thing with Russ, his off script ability is what is so amazing about him and has been so amazing about him for so long. When the play is drawn up, let's say we got a Yankee concept. The Yankee concept is a post on one side with a, with a deep over on the other side, right? Just for sake of example, right? And maybe some other teams will build a check down into it. Some won't, but let's say that's what, let's say that's what he's working with. He rolls out. You basically read, a, you read the safety out of a Yankee concept, especially if it's a single high. It's a way to high-low that dude. That's a lot of times when coaches are going to call that. He rolls out. He doesn't like he doesn't like the over. He doesn't like the post. But he thinks that, you know what, if I get out here on the edge, I can find someone that I like, that I, I can find something I want to hit. And then he use, they, and then it's just now we're basically playing backyard ball, run around and get open. There's no route drawn up on the table. Once he breaks contain, once the routes have been distributed, once he has decided I'm not going to hit them when I should, or at least within the timing of the play, right? So then he rolls out and he wants to make things happen off script. And he has been, like I said earlier, brilliant at that shit. It is mind-boggling how many times he has made stuff happen off of script, outside of the structure of what it's written on the playbook. But yet, over and over and over again, things that aren't supposed to be consistent, he made it that way. However, mm. now, mm. now... Preach, mm. Pastor! <laughs> <laughs> now we are seeing this dude going to a different team, different people who he is not used to playing with that he doesn't have an established rapport with uh, offensive coordinator head coach teammates all these things that he is going to have to adjust to is uh, by a million percent he was the right move to make to go get of absolutely. course is russell wilson going to suck absolutely not he'll still be in the top 10 i still think at the end of this year right but i think his spot may change just a little bit He's going to have his struggles. This happens with generally anybody, but I'm not saying like just, you know, I'm sitting here nitpicking the dude. I just think that the days of him being elite with his athleticism declining over time and all those other points that I previously brought up and not having the same dudes that he's used to having that chemistry with, we are looking at, I think, the start of Russ just being, he's still good. He is still a good quarterback and he's still going to make these plays that really piss off defensive coordinators because it's like, Damn it, we drew it up perfectly, and then he did some Russell Wilson Houdini stuff, right? But the consistency in how much we see the Houdini happen isn't going to be at the rate that we're used to. And when that goes away, what does he look like? And I don't think he's going to look like an elite quarterback when that comes, but he'll still be he'll still be towards the bottom section of the top 10. That's where I'm at on him right now in 2022. So basically what you're trying to say is that the crazy Houdini moves that he was so accustomed to doing and getting and then how to make the the off schedule plays look always work. You saying that's gonna go away because you can't 
because he's getting older, he can't live off those plays anymore. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he he won't. A lot of the way that he has just played his whole career, yeah, is some of it has been there was the whole thing like they, like Pete Carroll, they needed to let him cook, right? The the let Russ cook movement, right? Yeah, yeah, lasted for six weeks. Week seven, Buffalo. That game was such a case study. I wrote this article on SSAW.com. Shout out to the website, TSSAW.com. And it was what happened in Seattle. And I went back. I watched every single snap of Russell Wilson in 2020, in 2020 on the coach's film because I had never seen a season like that where a dude came out and was literally legitimately setting, imploding the NFL with his wrath on every Sunday. That dude was just on a mission. And then one week, it went away. Like unusual suspects, Kevin Spacey's defining the devil. And like that, he's gone, right? Like that, it just went away. Like the Monstars came. I don't know, but it just all went away. And I don't necessarily know. Since then, we haven't seen him be, we haven't seen him be great. We've seen him be pretty good, but mostly inconsistent. Some of that you can chalk up to the injury what he had when he hit his hand on Aaron, Aaron Donald's helmet. Some of that we can chalk up to that. But to say right now, in all these new areas, because he maybe can't just rely on his legs to escape and then throw those beautiful moon balls, which I still think will be a part of his game if he can do it within the structure of the play and here and there off script. I just think there's a lot to his game that he would have to change to in, to, in order to be able to still be that guy that we consider top five elite-ish level. And that can really just take a team, maybe not a team, because I do think the roster for the Broncos is good, but take an offense like the Broncos and really make them upper echelon. And like when he doesn't have DK and it's Cortland Sutton, and when he doesn't have Lockett and it's Jerry Judy, these are different type of receivers. These aren't necessarily as good of receivers as he had in Seattle and a coach and a coach who knows him very well, like he had in Seattle, whether or not he held him back or there was really some type of credence to not putting it in Russ's hands 35 times a game because he doesn't, you know, take the things in structure that he should because he plays out of script. So because of that, I think we're going to see him towards the bottom area of the top 10. And that's just where I got him for 2022. Before I start, um, so where do you, so he came in at seven on our list at this time next year. What do you see him at? Like, like 10, nine. Yeah, I figured, I figured you was going to say that. Um, like 10 or nine. I got a bold. Well, I'll say this one bold before you start. Okay. Derek Carr will have a better season in 2022 than Russell Wilson. Barring injury for both, barring injury. If you got, basically, we got our, our supporting cast healthy. Both of the quarterbacks are healthy. Derek Carr will have a better 2022 season than Russell Wilson. Uh, I want to say I disagree with that because I believe uh, Russell Wilson is a better quarterback, more dynamic, and more elite than uh, than Derek Carr. Only way I can see that happening is if this head coach is not as good as is not as good of an offensive coordinator as the Broncos think he is. That's another that. factor. Yeah. Uh, I see that. I see that could be the factor in it. But then also, I don't believe in Josh McDaniels at the same time, too. So that's, you know, but yeah. Um, so I disagree. I of think course. Russ at uh, five. Why? Uh, Russ at five. I mean. Uh, By five, coaching. everybody listening, hit your personal rankings at five. Yes. Yeah, it was a personal five. I mean, because I still think Russ, I still, still think Russ is elite. I honestly feel like the finger injury uh, was worse than, pr- probably it was affecting him more than, than we knew. And he 
kind of rushed back and then it was like, yeah, that, that finger is still not fully healed and probably still can't, don't have like the touch on the ball used to and like really, um, uh, really, really could cook. Also, uh, the office coordinator let Russ cook. Um, they have, I heard about it. Uh, they said after they started letting Russ cook, I think, like you said, the Bills, I think they just played like a too high safety thing. And then it was just like, all right, we're just not going to let him beat you deep and try to do something mm-hmm. else, Seahawks. And they had nothing else. And Pete Carroll was like, we're going to run the ball. That's how we get better. So um, I think, and then also what you were talking about, like how he uh, doesn't like throw this checks down or just using like, also doesn't use the middle of the field as well. I feel like the that coaching. That too, I didn't say that. Good point. No, that yeah. was another thing I had, had totally. Yeah, I, no, you're right. That's why like a, a tight end never, like, never really flourished in that system because um, he didn't uh, use the, utilize the, uh, the tight end or the middle of the field, which is usually with a tight end thrives, except. Jimmy Graham, I think his last year, he just threw, threw it to him in the red zone where he had like 500 yards and just 10 touchdowns because he was just like, I'm just going to jump all it up to you. Um, I honestly believe it's a, a thing of coaching. And honestly, as you were talking and like how he like just like runs around and scrambles because they never invested in the offensive line like that. Or they'll get you, I'm going to get you one good old lineman and then we're just going to go from there. Um, I think that forced him in a lot of bad habits. And like he would always make the spectacular play seem uh, off script plays to seem like routine. Um, it kind of reminded me of how Ben Roethlisberger used to play early in his career because that defense was so good and uh, Russ played with a great defense as well. But then they brought in the offensive coordinator who said, no, nah, we're going to get the ball out of your hand quick because we're tired of you getting hit. Uh, and then that O-line was terrible as well. Like I remember, I think 2008 was probably the worst offensive line that probably won a Super Bowl. Like if Joe mm-hmm. Burrow would have won a Super Bowl, that would probably have been the number one worst offensive line that ever won a Super Bowl. But that 2008 uh, offensive line, what they run it. They didn't even have, I think they had like a 400 yard rusher. That's <laughs> like, that was how bad they couldn't even run the bar or nothing. And he kept it was, uh, yeah, I remember that. That was the Willie season Parker. where they had, um, Marshawn was, no, this would have been after 08, I think. Was it 2012? They had a year in that time where no, no running back had a single rushing yard. Inside the inside the den, <laughs> yeah, like unbelievable, like unprecedented type of stuff. And then I remember that I remember because it might have been that year too when that that old line was just terrible, terrible. I think I remember Russ like uh, I think he sprained his ankle and was playing like one like like a high ankle sprain he was playing through it, and then he ended up hurting the other one because like you could you just saw him running for his life, just running for his life the entire time. And I think that I think that's when they drafted uh, a running back in the first round, and Rashard Penny. I think that was that year, or they did yeah, something they did just, or just a, yeah, I just like just like what, like they was like this is the year they'll finally give him O line and finally draft somebody running back who was supposed to go in the third round, and I'm just like what is this? So I think honestly, that's the letting Russ cook. Honestly, I felt like they never really gave like Russ or hired like offensive coordinator to challenge him to like let's get the ball out of your hands, let's do let's do more of a quick passing game. We're going to challenge you're so great, right? Um, and then, so he just like got used to doing stuff. Like I mentioned what big Ben used to do, running around, uh, looking for the deep play. And then that kind of makes you like how you said it, it has your line take a bunch of sacks, but a lot of the times that offensive line was trash. So it might makes the offensive line look even worse, but throughout a lot of those years, they were trash. Worst whole line I ever seen taking D lineman, making them old lineman, just to like Tom, like as we've seen, like, everybody was talking about how bad of an O-line coach Tom Cable was. And then we actually figured out, no, that's Pete Carroll's decision to not invest in the O-line. That's, yeah. 
Yeah. Like I was like, it was like Tom Carroll's terrible O-line coach. He's always just trying to think, I don't need good guys. I can make anybody. And then actually we found out, nope, that was Pete Carroll's doing because when Tom Cable left, that O-line was still trash. And Tom still Cable bad. actually And then it was also, and Cable did did solid developing people like Cole Fair. Miller, et cetera, Andre James. Exactly. So, the yeah, Vegas. So, the thing too is like, it came evident. You can't yeah. give someone chicken shit and be like, give me chicken salad. Yeah, exactly. So I I feel like it's all that. And honestly, I feel like Russ is going to remind us of uh, how great he is in in Denver uh, with a bunch of weapons around him. Um, I think Lockett, he'll probably miss more than DK. Like, I know DK is the explosive guy, but he, he's not the, as great as a route runner as uh, Lockett is. Like, Lock, I remember uh Lockett and Russell Wilson's connection was just ridiculously good. Like they just saw the, of, they saw the field the same way. Exactly exactly. You know, the it was just game. just so built in with having like playing on a string together. Exactly. Um I feel like that'll be like the one so it's either Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, or Hammer, I think is his name. Somebody got AJ like, Hamler. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Hammer's gonna have And to they still got coach. Tim Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they Going got Albert O. The tight end yeah. with the really long last names, so we just call him Alberto. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Super long name, super athletic too. He's athletic. Uh, he was fast. I remember him. Yeah, yeah coming out of UCLA, right? No, no, no. Uh, he he came out of Missouri, but they drafted another supremely talented uh, tight end out of UCLA though this year. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah, yeah. But just and I think that's I honestly think that's why they got rid of um the no uh, no offense yeah no offense because they had a talented guy behind him. Who probably was going to be cheaper because they probably was going to sign Fan in a few years, and like he was a fourth round pick. So, like I, I don't think Fan really tried to block as well or either. So I think that's why they got rid of. It's like we got talent behind him, and then they took another talented guy to UCLA. But I think, I think Russ Wilson, and I feel like the back half of the season before where it was like let Russ cook, and then they really isn't doing nothing. When Brian Schottenheimer was office coordinator, does not adjust to nothing. And this past year when Russ came back from hurt after hurting his finger, honestly feel like people are just like weighing on those two seasons instead of like also at the same time Pete Carroll says we're gonna run the ball. It's like this this refusal of I still think I got the Legion of Boom and we gotta build through the defense. It was actually no, your Legion of Boom is now offense with Russell Wilson and those playmakers. Make the switch to having a dynamic offense and go through the draft for your defense. And I think Pete Carroll never wanted to make that switch. And that's why Russell Wilson was still trying to make all these splash plays, stuff like that. And never really got challenged from an offense coordinator who was like, no, Russ, get the ball in here quick, and stuff like that. Because Pete Carroll was just like, we're going to run it. <laughs> never Russ challenged him. It. I think game. he's going to get back to it. They're going to get back to it this year. But no, they're okay. going to get back to it. They drafted two tackles and a running back. they definitely going to get back to it. He's like, yep, this is exactly what I wanted. Bye, Russ. <laughs> we can replace you with ease. <laughs> So, okay. yeah, man, I think, I think that I think Russ is definitely gonna get back. Um, even though you think he's on the decline, I think he's on the cu- on the come up. Honestly, dude, on the come up, okay, come up. All right, he's gonna go back to going back to more of the the first half of the Russ, let Russ Cook season. I think that's definitely gonna be more of what we're gonna see. All right, all right. Not showing up. No, I'm showing up at number ten. Oh, it's gonna be good when like we do this 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 podcast this time next year. Like, hey, hey Jordan, remember how you said you had him as a top ten? Like he was gonna be at the bottom of the top ten. Where where Russ at now? Where he at now? 
We're here now. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna right, be fun. It's gonna be fun. And I can be like, okay, I was maybe wrong. He's at seven. Derek Carr's at six. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're gonna visit that. We're gonna visit yeah. that one. We'll take a break right now. I know we're not quite in the top half, but considering our honorable mentions, I feel like this is a good spot to take a quick little break. Give a little word to our sponsors, our our, our great, great sponsors out there. You're listening to Cover Zero Podcast on the SSAW. No. The last couple of years have been one for the books, to say the least. It is so exciting to get back to live audiences, whether it is a concert, sporting event, theater, etc. Whatever it is that you are looking for, I've got the perfect place for you. Megaseats.com. I know I'm not the only one who hates going to purchase tickets, seeing the ones you want, hitting that checkout button, and a price pops up and you're like, whose tickets are these? They cannot be mine. Well, with Megaseats.com, the price you see is the price you get. No, really. No hidden fees at checkout. Type in the code SSAW Network in all caps at checkout and also receive a 10% discount. Your next live event is just a click away. All right, I'm going to move back through the top 10. Coming in at number six, his first time in. The SSAW top 10 quarterback rankings. It is Mr. Cool Joe Burrow. After his his rookie year, remember the offensive line, of course, there's a lot of uh, issues even during their this most recent season. And it, I'm so glad to see that they addressed that in the offseason mm-hmm. this year with acquiring who they did in free agency, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, etc. But I didn't necessarily think that Joe Burrow was going to be in in this mold and playing like he did last year, that jump from year one to year two was was impressive as hell. I mean, phenomenal in a lot of ways. There is something to be said about how you look to build a team and how you want to construct a roster from a GM standpoint. And me and a lot of us here on Cover Zero, we've talked about this before, build through the trenches. Build, build, build through the trenches. It's there. If you look at the free agency market for the top tackles, that are available to get in free agency every single year, it is not looking pretty because teams draft those guys and they keep those guys and they keep those guys and they keep those guys for as long as they're healthy. There always seems to be a receiver available in each and every draft. At least one guy, whether or not you find him or hit on that pick, that is the gist of the draft. That is the crapshoot that exists there. But there is also something I think to be said in this particular case in regards to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. The chemistry that those two had and showed on the field their first year back on the NFL, in the NFL, was something different than just, hey, this is my guy and this is my friend. Mm-hmm. No, they really see the game the same way, kind of how we were talking about with, with, with uh, Lockett and Russ. Those two see the game the same way. And maybe a lot of people outside of Tiger Nation and the LSU fan base didn't see that type of connection just happening so quickly. And I think a lot of that, not everything, because T. Higgins was still the man and Joe had so many impressive plays throughout the course of last season that it did a lot for the Joe Burrow to be at this point on this list, to be in the Super Bowl last year. The success of the Bengals was largely resting on the shoulders of these two youngins. I mean, second year and a rookie. And T. Higgins also being a second year dude. 
But Joe showed so much as just being able to escape pressure when it doesn't seem like he would. He's not as fast as so many other guys or as athletic as other guys you mentioned, like some people not even on the list being Jalen Hurts. He He's definitely not as athletic as Kyler or Lamar. Shoot, he may not even be able to. He's not as athletic even right now as Russell Wilson. Maybe not even as athletic as Dak, maybe. But somehow the dude just got away from trouble and found a way to make things happen time and time again and just had these games where he was dominating NFL defenses last year. Dominating them. And I'm just, I, I love the kid, like the, the performance that he put together throughout the entire body of work of the 2021 season. The way that he approaches his game within interviews. I feel like Joe Burrow interviews are something where you get you don't just get, you know, someone saying the right things. You don't just get a guy giving, you know, being a politician up there. You get at least a glimpse into the person, into the human, you know, and that's Joe. This dude walks that line of cocky and confident probably better than any second-year quarterback I've ever seen, just as far as how he behaves, how he plays, his charisma, his swag, that sort of thing. And I just, I mean, this kid can keep developing I don't know how much better he can get because the arm strength isn't there. Like I was saying earlier, he's not the high-end athlete like some of these other dudes are. But as far as everything else goes, his timing on deep throws, where to put the ball, how to read coverages, making things happen on time within the structure of the play, and just being able to extend plays, maybe not to run, but to extend plays to still throw the ball after he breaks contain. There's just a lot you got to love with this kid. and. Joe Burrow, man, I remember when he was coming out of LSU, I didn't think he would be, I knew he'd be good. I didn't think he'd be this good this soon. Do you think right now, this spot where he's at on the countdown is about right for Joe? Six. I had him lower just from the standpoint of, uh, I'm not really a, a big recency bias. Like I know he made it to the Super Bowl and him and Jamar Chase are like, I'm just, like, now ready to, like, put people, like, super, super high, like, based off, like, one season or whatever. Like, it's, like, uh, like a bunch of work. Like, okay, okay, I see you all that season. Let's see if you do it again next year kind of a thing. Uh, I feel like he's definitely getting to, like, definitely deserves to be top 10, though. And he's definitely showing that, I'll be honest, he, he can overcome bad coaching because I feel like his head coach is not a great offensive coordinator. But I think the report that he has a he, the rapport he has with Jamar Chase really like helps and make them go further than what it was because never protecting Joe Burrow and just having him like being able to take hits and take eight sacks in a playoff game, but the other quarterback has turned over a ridiculous amount of times helps you propel you to the next round. Um, it's just not it's not a winning thing. And then we we even saw it in the Super Bowl they kept letting him get sacked so much so that he ended up hurting his knee again. And then it's like, okay, well, now we got to give him a safety blanket. Then Burrow stepped back stepped back there and threw it to check down because it was like, uh, my knee is bad and I, I'm not trying to cost us the game. Um, I think this man is definitely growing and is definitely going to have Cincinnati on the map as well. Uh, I'm glad they upgraded the offensive line because now we can see um, how much more better he can be and how much more dangerous that receiving core can be as they yeah. go into another year together. And he can stay healthy. We saw what happened. He can stay healthy. But also, that defense helped him a lot, too. So Yes. Um, and also, like you mentioned before, that him 
we, we, we're a podcast that believe in investing in the trenches, investing in the trenches, investing in the trenches. But how we said before, that just that right fit, you see the feel the same. There is something that is, that's chemistry you can't get or can't get, can't get and can't recreate with anybody. So yeah. it is important to keep those two together because you are dynamic. Him and Jamar, Jamar chasing him is dynamic where it made not having a great offensive line help them get to the mountaintop. They couldn't pull it out at the end, but it got them to the mountaintop because that's how great of a quarterback he is and how great a receiver uh, Jamar Chase is. And if we do the top 10 receivers, it'll be interesting to see where he lands as well. Um, and yeah, this man is dynamic and is uh, growing. I, I think I had him at eight. Okay. Yeah, or seven, or I might have had him at seven. I think I had him right ahead of, uh, either right ahead of or right behind Dak Prescott. Okay. Yeah, I had I had Joe right here. This okay. this is one of those rare times where my own personal rankings match the yeah. that of our collective average. So, yeah. yeah, this is right where it should be with him. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it's it's very impressive, and I'm glad you brought up what you did about the defense because I think that Bengal defense. It's in the NFL in 2022. And for the better part of the last couple of years or the NFL as we know it, it's really hard to be a dominant defense. It is almost impossible. Just with the rules and how passing offenses are now and concepts can, you know, the re RPOs and all that stuff, it's so hard. And what I think is a mark of a good defense or one way to measure it is, A, how do you adjust to an opponent? That's one thing. I think that's throughout all sports but being if you're able to adjust you can maybe make things a little bit more difficult for the offense and then number two it's can you get stops when you need them just when you need them like okay you allowed this you allowed this you allowed this all right we need to go up one touchdown before the second half or whatever it might be can you get us a stop to get us the ball back it's the end of the game can you get one stop even though there's let's say you're the buffalo bills can you get one stop 13 seconds left can you i guess not you know that is where the NFL is in terms of measuring defense. It's just being able to buckle down at certain points and getting stops when you need them. And the Bengals defense got the stops when they needed them. And a lot of that came through their adjustments. And that's where I got to give a lot of credit to Lou Anaramu, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. And I'm mm -hmm. with you in the other area that you said too, is because Zach Taylor, I mean, I, I watched a lot of Bengals all 22 and so much of it was just, Joe Burrow recognized Jamar had one on one, and he threw it up yep. there to give him a chance. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm watching. I'm no, I don't watch as much all twenty two as you, but I saw that a bunch. I saw it, like uh, yeah. show, they'll they'll do the replay and show like the all twenty two on the replay or like how the how the how they looks at the coat or the booth, and they were like widen it out. So I think that's the equivalent to all twenty two. That's exactly what Jamar, all twenty two is. You see the wide yeah. angle of everyone in the you shot. That's the sideline angle of all twenty two. Yeah. Yep. You see Jamar Chase go up, stop. Shake a deep, like catch it, shake a guy, and then like run, like a lot of or a lot of run and catch, like run, catch the ball, and like yak after or stuff like that. Or like, yeah, you like go up, a guy's like playing, like playing trail technique, and the safety's not over there. I'm gonna throw it up, Jamar Chase is gonna make a ridiculous catch, and yep, uh, I ran into the end zone. So I'm just like, yo, this dude ain't good, but that defensive coordinator though is really good, and mm -hmm. and the people who they had they signed in the offseason. Free agents bought into what he would do. Uh, I think the cornerback who they got from Dallas, uh, Awozu, oh, I think it is. Yeah, Awozu, Awozu. yeah, 
I really like them. Yeah. I really yeah, they like balled. I don't I don't want to turn this into a we got the the, the team preview coming up still, but all right, all right, yeah, all right. most definitely. We'll get back to Joe. Just with yeah, him, do you like I had said earlier when we were talking about him specifically, do you think there's do you think we have seen like basically the heights that Joe Burrow can reach? I mean, of course he'll have his game winning comebacks. Of course he's gonna have other games where he does four hundred yards and he's killing people. I still think that's definitely on the table. But I don't know, like, how much more, like, oh, they added a read option now, and Joe Burrow's running. That's not going to happen. Oh, uh, Joe Burrow's throwing, like, you know, bombs that are, like, you know, 60 air yards. Like, that's not going to happen. You know, I just kind of think we've seen this guy. I don't know, I guess the only area, let me put it this way. The only area I think we can see him continue to excel in or maybe get better is just his comfort and his chemistry with, with everybody else. And that's still enough in and of itself is scary. Would you agree? Yeah. I, well, I think like, I think you're, you're asking like, will we, will we see like a lot of home run plays from Joe Burrow? I think that's not his game. I think what, what we will see is uh he will have him and Jamar Chase's uh, rapport will become even better. But then I think him and Tyler Boyd's yeah. and um, what's the other receiver? T Higgins. T. Higgins. T Higgins. I think their rapport become even better as well. Where, Maybe they might start having like three thousand yard receivers or twelve hundred yard receivers. I think that's what it's going to be. And maybe he yeah. starts getting up Great. to like the 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 like the five thousand throwing for five thousand yards. I think that's what we're going to see. Like, dang, like this offense is stay putting up three hundred yards, and then like mixing the Joe Mixon as well, and involves involving him in the passing game, which I feel honestly they didn't do enough. Like, because Jamar, like Joe Mixon can literally split out and run fades. He was doing that at Oklahoma. Oh yeah, no, he's he's got receiver skills for sure. Yeah, like and got, they, I think they with him, I wonder if it yeah. with him is they just realize like, look, we got Uzama, we got three dope receivers, we need Joe Fresh to just give us something on the ground because we know our offensive line is weak. Oh, the other Joe, yeah, man. it's funny. Joe, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that could be it. I can see that. I can see that. Like, hey, like. Because they already paid him, too. So it's not like they're mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, we're not trying to pay him. So it's like, maybe that is it. And the fact that they got 17-game seasons now. Like, maybe in the early in the season, he'll be more of a, of a receiving threat. Then as it later goes, like, all right, well, we're going to start taking you out on third down. Just give you a break and just, like, have you, like, we'll have you on go-to downs, you know? Like, you it's go. in the fourth quarter, yeah. game on the line. Now uh-huh. back there, pass blocking and stuff like that. So that, that could be it. We will move into another quarterback from the same draft as Joe Burrow as we sink into our top five. Quick recap. The honorable mentions. Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, and Kyler Murray. Number 10, Dak Prescott. Number 9, Lamar Jackson. Number 8, Lamar Stafford. Number 7, Russell Wilson. Number 6, Joe Burrow. And number 5, Tua Tiger <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He from the same draft class, homie! He from the same draft class! <laughs> He is, but he certainly ain't number five. He certainly ain't number five. He was definitely drafted over Justin Herbert, but he is not better than Justin Herbert. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Listen, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Justin Herbert coming in at number five. I mean, how I – let me just ask you this, like, right off the top of your head. And I don't know if you have an answer. I don't know if if, – I mean, I – as a Duck fan, I, I watched Herbert so much. I didn't expect him to be this type of a quarterback. Honestly, at any point in his NFL career, 
there was just a lot of things within his college tape that weren't related to his arm. I said at the time the kid was 19 years old. That kid's arm right now, at 19, his, his second year out of high school, that kid's arm, that's an NFL arm. Yep. That is an NFL arm at 19 years. Like right now, this dude would go in the NFL and have one of the best arms in the entire league. But we all know there's more to playing quarterback than just having a cannon on your shoulder. So that, that much I did see from him. But I have, I have like favorite Justin Herbert throws saved in my head and just that I can recall. Are there any to you or like maybe not necessarily a throw if you don't have one, but a game of Justin Herbert's that just stands out to you as kind of a definer of the type of quarterback he is, the ceiling he possesses, or just when someone brings up Herbert, what you think of? Uh, I think most of the throws that I specifically remember is, is the the uh, punctured long game for Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. I remember that game was like, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, Tyrod's not playing. I'm like, what? And then I was watching the game. And he's just like rolling right, throwing back left. Rolling left, throwing back right, just can't. I'm like, whoo! God, he hit this one. I'll have to load this to Twitter. I know one in that, like, because I watch him a lot. He hit one to Keenan Allen, this over route, triple coverage. Oh my god, that's the main one I'm thinking. Like, just goes cocks back and just, I'm just like, like that. That was a hummer. That was a humzinger right there. Yeah, man. Uh, and the funny thing about it is, coming out of college, a lot of people said he was a poor man's Trevor Lawrence. He had the same body look, probably the same arm, but it just he didn't look like he put it together as much there. And then honestly, the coaching staff at Oregon didn't do him a uh, did him a disservice because sure uh, did him a disservice. They honestly said, I remember Dan Jamar, uh DJ said he was like, we didn't have a backup quarterback who we felt confident as in. To uh, like if if Herbert got hurt, they can come in and run our offense, and we might lose our ranking and might not finish like on a bowl game. So we honestly didn't put him in the put him on the move. We didn't like make uh make him throw like outside the pocket and stuff like that because we didn't want him to get hurt. And that's probably why he didn't look as good as his last season with us until like the final three games. We're just like, eff it. We just gonna start doing a bunch of more stuff and just let. Yeah, him they just, started like, using read options in the yeah. in the Pac-12 title game. All that. And it was just like, at this point, it was like, season almost over. Let's just unleash this guy. And then that's why he started looking like amazing. Everyone's was like, well, which guy is it? Is he the guy we've seen all season or is he the last few games? And everybody thought it was the first few games. And it's just coaches coaching doing them a disservice. Um, and honestly, I felt like Anthony Lynn was a great head coach, last, or let's say offensive coordinator for him, because I think the offensive coordinator he has now doesn't like to unleash him as well and still is operating because it's the same office corner that uh, Drew Brees had his last few years. Yeah, uh, one of the Lombardis, uh, Joe yeah, Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. And doesn't let the reins go off. And this is why I had him. He runs all the, like, like slant flat. Yeah. As often as you uh, yeah. run the con- co- slant yeah. flat, it's a common concept, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a yeah. really common concept. Usually it can be used on a half field side where you have the inside receiver running flat, you have an outside receiver running slant. This is not a concept we should call and we should spam and we should hammer if you have a dude who has a howitzer. Yeah. Please, Joe. Please. I went on one of these rants earlier in the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was when they lost to the Vikings uh, in in L.A. last year. Just, yeah. oh, my God. Because it was super weird because I remember they had, like, all these uh, 
these big play uh, passes up to Mike Williams. He's just jump ball, high pointing and stuff like that. All this like deep down the throw. And then those just went away. I remember, I remember also the first game of the season, I think they beat the Bills. And it was a lot of those the same concepts. It's like quick throw out, quick throw out, quick throw. And it was just like, I think the final score was like, it was like, I think it was like 20 to 17 was the final score. But it was like mm-hmm. they didn't unleash them. And then Josh Allen didn't have like a great like Josh Allen like game. And it was both dudes with big arms but didn't have like chances to like show it off. And I was just like, what is this? Like Joe Lombardi. And then it was what? The the game of the year when my Raiders played them in the last yep. game in yep. week, which was week 18. And there was 17, yeah, but it was week 18, right. last game, yeah. that Sunday night game. Yeah. They were faced with what? I don't know how many third and 10. Four. I don't know how yeah, many yeah. fourth and 10, third and 12. Yeah. And so then Kept it's like, all right, well, now we have to call this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he was delivering. <laughs> And you just, just and and that's that's honestly why I had him ranked so low because of the coaching holding him back, not necessarily more him, but just like with the situation he has, I don't think he will be unleashed as like he would and should be. So I feel like he's gonna be like like how he was in Oregon. He's gonna be held back by bad play callers. So that's why I had Kyler because I was like Kyler was able to overcome. A bunch of stuff and being like making the team super great versus uh Justin hasn't and that that all of us the corners holding them back. That well, that's I mean, honestly mm-hmm. I feel like there's more to that. I mean the defense of the Chargers last year was not yeah. what And they didn't make the playoffs too. And they did no they didn't make the playoffs. They didn't they so. did not make the playoffs. They certainly did not. But like yeah. when your defense just a quick little tidbit on that. When your defense you know, a lot of the too high stuff will be light box. We'll invite the run. And when the run yeah, then allows seven yards per attempt, oh, something yeah. got to change, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, change. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. The Rams use a coordinator. We're not trying to get into the, the division preview, but it's just like, y'all just let dudes run on you like that? Like, yep. that's. Yep. And, and I like, think that's what they, they address a lot of that in the offseason. And we'll go ahead yeah. and speak on that when we get to the division preview on it. Yeah. But yeah, no, 100%. That's, that's, that's got to change. And I think Lombardi and company knows. To at least turn up the no, turn up the nos a little bit, open up the playbook, yeah. expand the concepts. But at yeah. the end of the day, you still do have a head coach in Brandon Staley who is like, nah, fourth and four, let's go. And uh, and honestly, real quick, real quick, uh, this that's always what I hate when four three teams switch to a three four. Their run game always goes to shit. Because I mean that that. Like, that stuff doesn't bother me. I mean I feel like yes, it can. They were still a four down team. Yeah, they still were. But they are like there's like in Brandon Staley's scheme, it's not a they they are like a gap and a half. So like yeah. gap and a half. They don't play like two gap like you would a traditional three four from the front. Yeah. Right. It's it's four down who play a gap and a half. You have a gap and then sort of kind of this other one. And then but what's also makes it tough is that you have safeties who are responsible for certain gaps. And anytime you have that and you get one lineman downfield who recognizes that safety is in that gap. Seven yards a pop is very much on the table. So, yeah. But we'll get into more of that once we get into our uh, off-season uh, previews. But before we move into our top four, the one throw, there's really two – like, I mean, there's so many Herbert throws I could, I could talk about and wax poetic about. But my personal favorite – my personal favorite has to be oh, between two, two different ones. And one of them is the cover zero – ironically enough, cover zero. The Bucks ran cover zero in 2020 against him. And he hits Jayon Guyton 
for this oh. like 65 yarder. He hangs in the pocket. He recognizes the zero and he just puts it out there. Just, just amazing. And then probably my overall favorite one was last year in LA at home against the Giants, a game that not a lot of people were really watching at that point, unless you're most likely a Charger fan, a Giants fan, or people like us. And it was close to the end of the first half. Herbert rolls right, breaks contain, and plants his feet. There's 16 seconds left on the clock. And just in one, one snap second, plants his feet, loads up, and throws a bomb Splits the two high safeties with a post route. I think it went to Teron Johnson, who caught it in in the back of the end zone. This ball, I, I swear, I, I know it didn't, but I swear this ball went 143 yards in the air. Like, I mean, <laughs> just like my God, man! Like I've watched this play so many times. I again, I've talked about. I need, I need to look at this play. I need to show everybody this play. It was utterly insane. It's utterly insane. Like there was certain highlights and certain things that I would look forward to on Sunday night, maybe Monday morning, Monday afternoon, whatever it would have been of where on Twitter, like my notification pops up, Justin Herbert dot, dot, dot. And it's a video like, oh, I can't wait. Or like I'd go on the all 22 and couldn't wait to watch the all, a different angle of when he decides to let a ball go. Like there's just so many of these throws where it's like, nah, I got like the, just the mentality, like I'm unleashing this. It, I, I mean, the sky is the limit for this kid, and I just, this is why, to me, he lands in the top five. Granted, some people may say, oh, he's never made the playoffs, football's a team game, all that sort of thing. But the, the sky is the limit for this kid, and he has all the tools to, I think, potentially, we'll see if, you know, like other factors like we had talked about, coordinator, coaching, we all know how football works. There's so many things to oh, go, yeah. go ahead and take into account. But I still think there's a lot of, of great football left in Justin Herbert and maybe heights he can reach that he hasn't yet. We'll move into number four on the rankings, Mr. Josh Allen. Mm. Another person, another person who just has crazy tools. And Josh Allen, in a lot of ways, he kind of, I don't want to say changed, but he's made people reevaluate the way that you look at quarterbacks who are very toolsy or have a bunch of tools and they're coming out of the draft. As prospects, a lot of times it was, yeah, he's got size, he's got strength, he can run, he has all these things. But when you watch him on the field, there's still a lot of processing. There's still a lot of other nuances that go with playing quarterback that he may or that he doesn't have grasp yet, or at least we haven't seen. And that's caused teams in the past to not select guys like that. And Josh Allen was a dude who was picked, what, 10th overall by Buffalo that year in the draft that he came out in? And I remember I did not think he was going to be that good. I didn't see a lot, particularly on his tape when he was coming out of Wyoming. And yeah, I knew all the traits were there. And I thought he was going to just kind of flame out similar to somebody like Jake Locker, similar to somebody like Kyle Bowler, you know, those type of guys. But he has bucked that trend and then some. I mean, this dude is just is phenomenal. For, for you, Corday, uh, you had Josh Allen high on your rankings, too. Uh, when you watch Josh or when you, when you've seen him over the last couple of years, I know you talked about with, with uh, I think it was Burrow. You want to see it more than one year. Do you think Allen really like showed it now? Like to where at this point, based on what we've seen that he is in fact an elite level quarterback. 
So, uh, I know I mentioned Kyler not playing well in that playoff game. Uh, Josh Allen looked ridiculous in that playoff game against the Chiefs. Um, honestly, Josh Allen is great. And the Patriots. Oh, right. And the Patriots. Oh, when he oh. <laughs> We can't discount that. He sent Bill Belichick to bed with a spanking. No treats. I don't you, know, care. you don't get a bedtime story. I'm, I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest fan of Josh Allen fans, but I love that Josh Allen sent the sent the Patriots home because they was talking about Mac Jones this and Mac Jones and Mac Jones is such a great processor and he's gonna be able and this is gonna be such a competitive game and I'm just watching it and I just see them mofo's get blown out. I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm, mm, mm. I was like, mm. you know, the sitting back sipping tea, just mm. Mm. this is lovely. Just like all this, all those Pats people, just like, well, you know, Bill Belichick gonna come up with a great scheme, and he's gonna slow down Josh Allen, and yeah, I was like, mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. like it was such a, it was such an ass whooping that yeah. a lot of people forget about it because that game was yeah. over, like almost instantly. Oh, well, so it, it didn't like- leave didn't leave an imprint in your memory because that yeah. Chiefs, like you talk about like that Chiefs game that was amazing and Josh balled out legendary yeah. but man legendary. like did they get he just made mincemeat of the Patriots to the point to where it didn't even stick out in your brain like he beat them that badly in the playoffs D'Angelo has a famous song in the in the 90s what is going to get naked and that he said makes fun of he's like D'Angelo had to get naked to sell records where it goes, how does it feel? Like, how did that yeah. ass open feel? Yeah. <laughs> the song that made the oblique muscles popular. Yes. yes. <laughs> the music video. Yep. Exactly. The music video. That, how does it feel? That ass open was. Woo! That's, that, that was, yeah. That was a good one. So, but yeah, Josh Allen. Uh, definitely. Um, but also at the same time, you said like a lot of traits and stuff like that. Sometimes it doesn't, um, you know, they, they can't put it all together. Like you said, like the Jake Locke or something like that. I was even a Drew Locks, the cannon for an arm, but now it doesn't have the accuracy, accuracy. Uh, Josh Allen has put in a ton of work with, uh, 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 Jordan Palmer, but then also recognized and started watching himself on film was like, Oh, I got to get better. I got to work on stuff. So he took the accountability himself to get better and work on things as well. So a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, oh, well, who's going to make the uh, 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 Josh Allen jump? Like ESPN, get up with saying, who's the next QB that's going to make a Josh Allen jump? I remember Dominique Foxworth, a uh, respected NFL analyst, uh, works for ESPN. He was like, nobody. Because what Josh <laughs> Allen did was historic. That's That's super uncommon. He was like, you don't go from completing 54% of your passes to all of a sudden completing 70 religiously. <laughs> like, right. I right. was like, yeah. So, so as many people thinking like, oh yeah, uh, Drew Locke could become a Josh Allen, become the accurate or uh, a Jake, like a Jake Locker could turn around or some other non-accurate quarterback could turn it around. That'll happen. Plus the Stefan Diggs addition help. But then he was like in that playoff game against the Chiefs, he was using, um, he was going to uh, Gabriel, oh, Gabriel Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who became uh, Randy Moss for a game? Yeah, uh, Jai's guy. I remember he was telling me about that going in before the draft, and I was like, I wanted my Eagles to draft him 
because I know we don't take receivers high. And I was like, that would be a good uh, find later in the draft. And I was like, damn, you went to Buffalo? Josh Allen ain't going to do nothing with that. And then <laughs> playoff game yeah. later, uh, he was balling. But then I remember the other receiver uh, was balling with them as well. I forget his name. I think McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie. Like yeah. He balled out, but then got COVID. And then it's the reason why I know this roster because I was like, I was scrambling for guys, fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> and Isaiah McKenzie balled out with like 30 points. And then I was trying to get Davis, and he had COVID too, right before the playoffs. And I was just like, I was like, why well, ain't going to pick up uh, their slot receiver? Because he said he didn't believe in COVID. So I was like, I'm just going to stay away from you. I don't care if I lose because I had to pick you up. <laughs> I was like, that's the risk I'm going to have to take. But yeah. Josh Allen is that guy. Josh Allen is ridiculous. Uh, and whenever – and I honestly feel like probably – I think probably this time next year he's going to be number two on our he, list. Yeah, I almost I'm wanted to put guy. him there, honestly. Yeah, me too. I almost too. wanted to put him at two. Like I probably should just win my gun and put him there, honestly. Yeah, but you I, know, I'm kind of with him. you. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really – I'm there too. Yeah. yeah. He is – a couple interesting, like, like figures on him some numbers so according to pff he had the highest rushing grade in 2021 mm. among all quarterbacks the highest rushing grade in 2021 now both he and lamar averaged the exact same yards per attempt on designed runs yeah so that takes away everything that's like a scramble you know oh the pass they, they call it pass play it's broken down he may not find something he likes he doesn't find an open receiver so he's going to break the pocket and try to run for yards. Well, yeah, on just runs that were called as runs in the huddle, him and Lamar have the exact same yards per attempt average, 4.4. Right? That's pretty crazy. <clears throat> Something else. On all runs, period. Period. From the quarterback position. Guess what? Allen averaged 6.3 yards per attempt last year as a runner. Nobody else in the NFL not even non-quarterback had that amount. And the minimum requirement for it is 120 attempts, which he barely cleared that threshold. Josh Allen last year had 122 rushing attempts, averaged 6.3 yards per attempt. Josh Allen led the NFL in yards rushing per rush attempt last year. That is just crazy to me to think of. That is not something I feel like who led the NFL in terms of qualifying, who led the NFL in yards per attempt last year running the, running the ball. Of course, you know, you have these running backs that are doing the, you know, the whole massive carries low. But 122 is enough to give you enough sample size. The 122 is, <clears throat> is, is substantial enough to quantify for this dude being a very, very tough tackle when he runs, a difference maker when he runs. And beyond that, to think about that, you have the guy that was number one in yards per attempt and it was able to still churn out four point four and a half, something like that, in terms of design runs, while he's also the guy that was number one in play action attempts and yards passing whenever they decided to dial up a play action. Basically, Josh Allen's just diabolical on the ground and through the air. That's why I really wanted to put this man at two, but the other guys that we have there, I feel like right now, at least for now, where we, as we sit here today, are still deserving. That's why I put them where they did. But I wanted to and had an inkling to put Josh higher. And also, uh, I used to call Josh Allen, Jermaine Allen, credit to Bomani Jones and Mina Kimes, because they said if he plays like a Jermaine, not a Josh. <laughs> <Early> <laughs> That's <in his> hilarious. 
And it <laughs> was Jamal like, Allen. It was, yeah. And it was like, if his name was Jermaine, they, uh, the media would talk about him a lot different too versus Josh. And I was like, now nah, that's true as hell too. So that's, I left it at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive. And yeah, I'm with you. I think when we do this list again, uh, I've seen enough to consider him to think he will be honestly even higher. Yeah. We will move into number three on our countdown. And this is a guy that does not run and never nope. has <laughs> unless it's a QB dive up the middle. He got a thousand yards. He got a thousand, he got a thousand yards. yards. <laughs> <laughs> Quantity over quality. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and coming in at number three is a man who is 44 years old, and that is Tom Brady. I mean, I don't know how much more there is to say on this guy. There's really nothing that can't be said about him that hasn't been said already because of how long he's been playing, man. I mean, come on. And yeah. to, think of, to think about all that, bro, the man set a single season, his own single season career high for pass attempts mm-hmm. at the age of 44 last year. Mm-hmm. 719. Mm-hmm. How much is that? I don't know. Just the second most of all time. Yeah. No risk and no biscuit. No risk and no biscuit, says Bruce, his coach. Well, his mm-hmm. former coach. I was going to say former coach, yeah. Former coach. Former, former coach. His second most TD passes for a single season also happened this previous year, 43. Mm-hmm. The only other year where he threw more was the 2000 and it was the, it was the Moss year where he dropped 50. 2007, yeah. yeah. You didn't yeah. even tell me. You already like searching like 2007. I already know what year. I already know what year it was. How do you how do you look it up? I already knew. Well, I know I that was the year he had 50, and then I knew he didn't have yeah. 50 this year. But I can't remember the specifically the year, but it was it was that year. I already knew. So I remember I think another year he had like thirty six. I remember a few other years he might have gotten close, but usually with the Pats, he don't put up like huge touchdown numbers like that. Except right. for like most year. So I already knew. And then this last year threw for five thousand three hundred and sixteen yards, which is the most he's ever put up in his career. And that is the third most in a single season from any quarterback in the history of the league. This dude did this at 44. Mm-hmm. Like, like Tom Brady's career right now, bro, for the amount of times we've seen this dude start full seasons, that length, if it were a person, it could go to the bar legally and buy alcohol. 21 seasons. Yeah, I know. That's insane. Know. His career is old enough to drink. Like, how? <laughs> bro, his career was, was born in 2000. Yeah, it is now twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty two. Actually, actually, so actually, his 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 career turn was drinking age last year. Last year, but he didn't <laughs> in two thousand. I don't think he, he he played just he played limited amount. But you're right. We well, since we've seen years him. in the league, years in the league, though. years in the league for sure. Because he only played that little bit, as we all know, everything that happened then. But but like being the full time starter is what. I, but yeah, either way, like good god, that's crazy. That's crazy. I don't really have anything else to say on Tom Brady. He's the GOAT quarterback in terms of resume, in terms of how it's how he's done it. It's impressive that at this age, he still sits here right now. Like, we just got done talking about Justin Herbert, who is 21 years younger than him. The gap between them is, a, is, a, is someone that, can, that has been born and been able to go to the, and able to go to the bar. Then, boop, here comes Herbert. 
that is it's just insane. It's it's just utterly insane. So, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add on, Tom? Uh, his wife is fine. You think she that fine? She's a supermodel. I mean, she is, but like, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's a fine supermodel. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Tom Brady, third spot. It, he came in at a unanimous third. We all had him at third. And also what was unanimous was Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Coming and we're going to talk about, real quick, we're going to talk about that off here. We're going to love the sketch. And I was like, you think this shit have fun? I'm like. Uh, I, look, I look, of course, she's a supermodel. So what does my yeah. opinion matter to yeah. Giselle, one yeah. of the most famous supermodels ever? But, yeah. like, I look at her and I'm honestly like, yeah, she cool. We'll talk about it off here. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just me. Like, I, that's just me. The, no, supermodel, the supermodel body, like, to me, like, eh. I need to see and, you, and that's why I'm you like, look a little skinny. And that's why I'm like, oh, that's why I'm like, this is definitely a discussion I ain't never thought about and I'm going to have to sit with. <laughs> but yeah, like, he was like, you think she that fine? I was like, you know, I was like, it's going to be too long to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like she, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's all I'm saying. Like, like, I just, I mean, if, if, of course. I mean, she, what? I mean, she's she's made a, a moniker off of herself. Like, she is arguably the more famous one between the two of them. Some would say the more successful one. So, what do I know? Obviously, yeah. But yeah. we're moving to number two, and what I do know is that's where Aaron Rodgers came in in our rankings to be this the second quarterback that we all have right now. And just the biggest thing with Aaron is high-end production with the ultimate level of ball security. That's just really that's just really the thing with him. That's really there is an amazing stat, probably my favorite one for him, is that there have been eight different seasons in the history of the NFL where a quarterback has had at least five hundred attempts. 500 passing attempts, and his interception rate per pass attempt is at 1% or less. Of those eight seasons, Aaron Rodgers has five of them. Mm -hmm. That's, That's like some ridiculous type of precedent that this man has set as far as being able to take care of the ball while also delivering crazy type of production. You almost couldn't ask for more. Yep. Do you think Aaron Rodgers will win another Super Bowl before it's all said no. and done? No. I don't either. I think he probably got two more years in there, too. Two more? He's going to say, F this. I'm tired of Gouda Cunts. Because he probably, he come like, you traded Devontae. I still think they was tight, and I think I don't know. I think he knew, man. He knew Devontae I wasn't think, gonna play on the on the on the tag. Or he, he maybe not didn't know that, but he knew Devontae think, wanted think, another deal, and he chose to sign his own. Him. I don't think they he thought they would trade him, and I think him and Gutekunst don't get along, and that's why he traded Devontae. He gave next, he gave Aaron his extension and traded Devontae, and I think Aaron gonna be like, you know what, f this ish, I'm out of here. I'm not taking a red like f this. I'm out. Just don't take as much as you did, bro. Yeah, like you really need. It's got to be fifty. It's got to be fifty million. Anyway, that's just where I'm. I mean, 
to the Super Bowl question, yes, I think that matters because Devontae's not there and what he may do, that definitely matters. And and the top of that, and he has no one to throw to. Like they right can, now, we, no. We, but yeah. he's not he's not unhappy right now. He's oh, not he, unhappy I, right now. I think he is. Well, never mind. No, you're right. But the dude can't be satisfied. Right. He's not <laughs> well, he's not unhappy right now. But he's going to get to training camp and be pissed. Yes, he will. And I don't think he really has too many people to blame other than himself. Because Devontae could have been kept. I I feel like through one way or another. And if Green Bay supposedly offered him the same that the Raiders did, which I don't know how much validity there is to that. That's that's what I have heard. Again, I'm not sure how concrete that is. I heard the same thing. I heard the same thing. Right. A lot of us did. And they said that bridge was burned. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And maybe, and who knows what that was? Only the two of them obviously know. So, but as far as Roger, this is, this is, I think, going to be a really interesting and telling year for these two guys that we have at two and number one, because everybody else listening can tell who those two are. And it's going to be a telling year for the both of them because we're now seeing them being stripped of the threat that maybe not their best threat because you could argue Kelsey, you could argue Hill with Mahomes. Everyone knows that he's going to be number one at this point, but with, with Rogers, we definitely know his best, his favorite, his number one, his dude for the last several years has been Devontae Adams Mm -hmm. and green Bay has simply decided, look, we're going to invest in other areas other than receiver. And one of the areas that we're going to heavily invest in is quarterback. And by doing so, we're going to invest in our quarterback and just believe simply that he will be enough to overcome the inefficiencies of the playmakers around us or around him. And that's just one type of team building approach that I think you're seeing both the chiefs and the Packers take the Packers really haven't done a ton, I think to address it. So if we see Aaron Rodgers' numbers start to decrease or maybe not look the same, there, of course, is going to be the lingering question of, is this happening because Devontae Adams isn't there? And or was, how much really to Aaron Rodgers' greatness was Devontae Adams a part of? And I think that's going to be really interesting to see. And that's something I'm, I'm going to be looking at this year. And a lot of us, I think, will end up talking about inevitably at some point during the season. It could be a what's going on where we're like, Aaron, what's going on on a Sunday after the show or on a Sunday after the games when we record our show? What's going on, Aaron? Why aren't you producing? You got your money. This is the type of dude you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to elevate the other people around you because you are number two on the Cover Zero podcast rankings when it comes to quarterbacks. What's going on, bro? Or is it going to be, I see you, Aaron. I see you making do with Alan Lazard and Amari Rogers and Christian Watson and Robert Tunyon. And I see you doing all these type of damage and you're doing it without having that elite level receiver. And this is why you are the elite guy. And this is why you're validated being where you are on the county. I'm really anxious to look and see that this year. Just kind of briefly, how do you see this year playing out without him for the first time having some type of elite weapon to throw to on the offense? I think it's going to be a mixture of both. I think it's going to be a mixture of both. And the crazy thing about it is something that I was thinking about, like they always say Green Bay doesn't invest in wide receivers in the first round. And I'm starting to think, I was like, well, Gutekunst never doesn't have a good track record at drafting wide receivers. Like the receivers think, who we've. I think they have an all right track record. Well, well, the Ted Thompson was the guy who drafted Randall Cobbs, 
the Jordy Nelsons, all those guys. The Greg Jennings. But we got to give Devontae Adams. They drafted him. And Devontae Adams. Was that that Thompson? That was Thompson. Yeah. That was Thompson. Thompson. That was Thompson. He drafted all those guys. And uh, Gutekunst has only drafted Valdez, Valdez, Scantling, Longing, whatever. (laughs) Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Yeah. And Amon Amon St. Brown. No, Equiminius, his brother. Okay, my bad, my bad. Equiminius, yeah, Equiminius St. Brown. The not as good brother. Um, not as good brother. The because there's another one that's still in college who's even better than Equiminius. And that's why I heard will yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Alan Lazard was he undrafted or was he like a seven round pick? I forget. Uh that's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head. But no, if, Those, if we're just looking at like, Gutenkunst, yeah, then yes, you're right. It's uh, the track record has not been there yet. Those I think Amari Rogers can be. Can be something. I mean, maybe I don't know, but it's just I mean, think by, when I say something, struggle. I'm not expecting a lot. <laughs> okay. Oh, you mean okay? So, okay. Something. I was okay. Give you something. something. Something like he's your he's okay. He's our fourth option. Cool. Okay. Yeah, man. I honestly, and I that's why I'm just like I don't see. I see Rogers struggling. I remember funny about I was having a debate with. Homie of mine, he said, Mahomes got figured out, but Rodgers is going to be okay. And I was like, Mahomes at least still got Travis Kelsey. Rodgers has nothing. And I think what's going to happen, Rodgers is going to be struggling because he doesn't have that go-to guy. He's not going to have somebody he trusts. Um, and when he doesn't trust guys, he goes he goes away. He, does, he goes to the one person he trusts. So, Tunyon might have a breakout year. He might, instead of just having 10 touchdowns, he might have like 1,000 yards or something like that, eight touchdowns, maybe 10. I think Tony um, is a top 10 tight end. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, is that where he's going to go? Um, he still needs more help, more weapons. Maybe call up Julio. Uh, Odell might be ready by November, but he's probably going to stay Will in LA. Fuller? Will Fuller. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to have a lot of last minute additions to your roster because you don't have guys, honestly. I don't see mm-hmm. it. I, I don't see it. So I think Rodgers definitely going to – I think it's going to be a combination of both like, what is going on? And, okay, I see you, bro. I see you, player. Like, low-scoring game. You came out and got it done. That's gun. the part. Yeah. That's the part. Low-scoring game. That's what I think it's going to look like. They're going to utilize gonna that be winning game these games. 14-10, yeah. 13-10, 17-14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because their defense is good. So – 2017 games of like yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what we're like. Like Aaron Rodgers, people still investing in him as a fantasy quarterback. This yeah. is not the season to do so. Because all right, the Packers will be right there. I think in the in the mix of it because the roster is good. Can you see Aaron Rodgers at the line, walking up to the line, seeing Alan Lazard to the right and a cornerback off ten yards, and he pulling up and throwing him the same kind of screen pass he did with uh, Devontae Adams? No, I- but I could see him if they want to press. And they want to play single high to the let's say they want to let's say they want to go single high, press man, cover one, and you want to tilt the single high safety to the the boundary side. And let's say it's Christian Watson on the left. I see Rogers like giving chances there and connecting like like on, on nine balls, maybe not those those smoke screens. I think those are off the table. The only person really who has that skill set on this offense anymore to do that as a receiver is you're including Aaron Jones there. He's really not going to be split out wide like that, but he has ability in the open field. And then Amari Rogers too, as well. But beyond that, there's just going to be 
more of Rogers kind of playing point guard rather than Rogers spamming a matchup that he likes because he just can't anymore. So his numbers will decrease. I don't think he's in the running for an MVP this year at all, even though he's coming off back to back MVP performances during the regular season. Uh, but, but yeah, man, we will, we will see. There's so many records this dude has like all time that like, I mean, his overall career interception to TD rate is 4.83. There isn't any other quarterback who has a career, <laughs> a career TD to interception rate, even in the fours other than him. That's insane. And this dude's like knocking on the door for five. That's insane. He, I don't think he'll get there, but still it's, it's, it's really impressive just what he's done up to now. But I think again, to go back to the narrative of when we do these rankings again next season, where will he be? Still on it, but not too. That's just me. We will move now into number one. Everybody knows it's Jackson Mahomes. <laughs> no, of course, it's Pat. It's Pat. <laughs> of course. Number one like, most Jackson? hated will be Jackson oh, Mahomes is, on the socials. I was like, who the hell is Jackson Mahomes? That's like, his oh, brother, the remember? I was like, yeah, the TikTok dude? The freaking annoying ass. Oh, man. Anyway, I won't, I won't get into that. I don't want to say yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. hate, most hated. He's not, you know, I don't like that word. But, geez, man. Just don't, just stop being that guy. Just stop being that guy. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes right now is off to one of the best starts we have ever seen for a quarterback within his short time being in the NFL. This is the reason why he signed to the greatest and most expensive and most prolific contract that we have ever seen in American sports. And he makes the difficult seem easy and makes the near impossible seem routine almost yes. on a daily basis. His arm angles, his off-platform throws, his feel for the rush, how he can string those things together where he just contorts his body, evades the rush without seemingly looking at it or being bothered by it and then puts sauce on just an unbelievably unbelievably crazy difficult throw that is just insanely accurate all at the same time. And then what's he ready to do after that? Get on the line and run another play. I mean, he is, he is doing things at the quarterback position that we don't see people do and that people just haven't done on that much of a regular basis. I mean, he is already right now setting all-time type of records. Last season, he creeped into that territory of where he crossed the 1,500 attempt threshold. And he set the all-time record for QB rating with quarterbacks that have that 1,500 attempt threshold. No one is as high as his. He has set a career average, career average, 300 yards per game. For a career coming off of a quote-unquote down year last year. At, at 300 for your career and you had a bad year last year i mean like, like when we get to these top this part of the top 10s it's it's guys that have been talked about a lot and rightfully so and those are just the tidbits of him that i want to i wanted to point out he has in practice not in a game but in practice this dude has shown two things one is that he can throw the ball into parts of the end zone that he calls out from the 20 yard line. He showed this during his pro day during his pro day. This is five years ago before the dude was arguably growing into his man strength, right? Where he's at now. He was on the 20. Yeah. No, look, I can put the ball in the end zone. I can put it here in the left part of the end zone. I can put it in the right part of the end zone. I can put it in the middle part of the end zone from 80 yards out. 
because he wanted to show teams that if there was a touchback and they needed a Hail Mary, that he would be a guy that you can trust that can put that ball wherever you want in that type of scenario. Oh, yeah, and then they moved the kickoff to the 25 for a touchback. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that seemed to help a lot. But things like that, I think the only thing be, we've seen him do no look passes, we've seen him do all these different amazing, crazy type of stuff. I The one thing I think we might see, I don't know if he's really going to ever attempt it, I heard he's done it in practice, is a behind-the-back pass. He has talked about, he's done that in practice, and when he did it, Mitchell Schwartz, who now does podcasts for The Athletic, Schwartz was talking about, yeah, I saw we all saw him do a behind-the-back pass during walkthroughs, and no one even said anything. We saw this dude like do a rollout and throw a pass behind his back to the back corner of the end zone for like a 15-yard touchdown that was perfectly on point, and no one even said anything. And Mahomes came back to the huddle like, did you guys see that? And he was like, what? Yeah, did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. I had, I had to go and throw it behind the back. Oh, yeah. Like, no one was impressed. Like, that's just the type of precedent he has set in place right now. Is there anything else you want to say on the number one, unanimous number one quarterback, according to the Cover Zero Countdown? Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, People was really disrespectful when Josh Allen had his first breakout season, and they were saying, I'd rather take Josh Allen over Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes, uh, it's going to be super hard for him to be dethroned. We'll see how he does without Tyree Hill. Um, honestly, I think they could probably use like another receiver. Um, I just think Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Just that guy like, oh, Josh Allen, We like he really worked off. And like, like, Mahomes is that guy, man. He had a bad month. Uh, teams was like playing too high. Safety, stuff like that. And what what Patrick Mahomes does is just like I couldn't even defend that. Like how do you how do you like how do you stop that sometimes, you know? And then it was like, all right, well, this uh, figured out the scheme. And then once he figured out, like, okay, I just gotta be patient now and still pick y'all apart, okay. That's what's up. I figured mm-hmm. it out. Took me a little took me like a month. Now I figured it out. Now I'm still balling. And if it wasn't for that second half that he didn't play well and that team didn't play well, he would have been in the Super Bowl again. And bro, that would he have been is, um, like I said in the in the coaches one, bro. Yeah. They are two overtime periods away. Maybe not even two overtime Four periods away. Four one, one overtime play and one overtime period away from, yes, four Super Bowls. Four Super Bowls. Four straight. Four straight. That would have Patriots been the only other team that. did that. It was the Buffalo Bills. Right. And like just And they lost just, every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Very Mahomes impressive, man. Dude, man. Mahomes is that guy. He is that guy. And there's really honestly no other way you can define it. So to round out our top ten for everybody listening, instead of going in the reverse order, we will start from the top and we will go down since I haven't really laid it out that way. But our rankings go Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, honorable mentions, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson. Sorry, CJ. Can't put him in there. Not until further thank notice. Thank but he can be on your list, not the collect. Thank you for having me, sir. You've been listening to the Cover Zero podcast. <laughs> yes. 
We listen to the Cover Zero podcast. Appreciate y'all sticking around. We will be back for another top 10. I'm thinking likely wide receivers. Of course, we're going to post the other poll on the Facebook group on the page so everybody can go ahead and try to try to vote on that, see which top 10 you'd want to hear before we break into our division previews coming up in July. And that'll kick off Corday for Jordan for SSAW. We appreciate y'all listening. That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements to CoverZeroPodcast at gmail.com. To find all of the links to follow us on social media, and also to find more exclusive content, visit us at TSSAW.com. See you next week.